And we're live. Pat, before we started the recording there, I was trying to wreck my head as to what we'd start with. And I think I had explained to you that that's what I typically do with guests. We think about something, I tee it up, and then we kind of go from there. You have a podcast. I do. I do. Have I not mentioned it? Oh, right. Have Jesus, I not mentioned it? Jesus, no. I, have I told you that I've got a Patreon account? No. Yeah, have a Patreon account. I've been meaning to say that on the podcast for a while, but I have a Patreon account. www patreon.com forward slash off the lead that's amazing and like patreon what's that patreon is a fantastic way for patrons as they're called to support things that they would like to see more of wow so if you're enjoying these conversations such as the one myself and yourself are currently enjoying and the solo episodes indeed if you're enjoying either or or both you can subscribe and you can support what you'd like to see more of in the world Amazing. What a service. It really is, isn't it? It's fantastic. Wow. Anyway, (laughs) the downside of having your younger, less sound brother on the podcast, we, I was trying to think of something to tee up, but I couldn't think, I could think of too many things. Typically when I have somebody on, I don't know anything about them really, bar one or two minor things, and I usually pick one or two of those minor things to start with. But with you, I didn't know what to start with. So... You said we'd start with that. Yeah, well, obviously, we know each other very, very well. And I've been well acquainted with, acquainted with the podcast before it was had a name or six months before any episode was produced. So I, I'm well acquainted with the whole project and what you're doing. Um, and you know everything about what I'm doing. So I don't know where we should start or where we shouldn't start. Well, why do you think that we both have this thing that we're doing? Because we're... What, Okay, let me just backtrack. I have this whole off-the-lead thing, and you have your own thing. So for people who don't know what your thing is, can you lay that out for people, basically? Well, I think what bo- what we both share in common is not only not only a very, very similar voice, and there's probably going to be a lot of people trying to distinguish who's who, which will be quite hilarious to hear back, And but another thing we share in common is that we care about people. And we want to improve people's lives in whatever way we see fit. So in your case, it's your whole idea is living off the lead and you want people to kind of have atypical experiences and not follow any sort of carved path which has been carved for them uh, or by somebody else. That, that's, how I, that's how I see off the lead. And what I do is I try and get people to open up about their emotional experiences, So, which is much like what you do, which is a, quite an off the lead thing to do to express yourself emotionally as opposed to just I suppose living the quiet and ignorant life and what's wrong with just bottling it all up and burying it deep 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 inside well you might be surprised to know that that's actually pretty detrimental to your emotional <laughs> well-being uh, funnily enough just that word detrimental I misunderstood that in the past and I used to think detrimental me- meant of utmost importance so I used to actually say that I was. I am guilty of saying, "Oh, you should really open up about your experiences. It's detrimental to your your emotional well being." <laughs> as if to, uh, me thinking it was important. But uh, if you don't open up about your experiences, you're uh, you're living with you're living in your mind, and you're living a very stressful life, and you're not living a very considered approach to everything. I suppose. Um, if you if you can't articulate your emotional experiences, you you understand yourself pretty poorly. I would argue. Okay, so from a, a starting point, like how, how would anybody that's listening to this know 
that they're in need of opening up because I, th- I think a lot of people now again I don't know maybe maybe this is just me uh, reinforcing a, a stereotype but I'd say a lot of people listening to this are going you know pff, you know feelings yeah you know man up and move on basically don't be we don't need to be going on about our feelings all the time yeah. so how do you what would you say to somebody who's of that opinion well it's it's not so much that I would try and uh, preach to one type of person like what I harp on about is the universality of the human condition so how we all have a shared experience uh, I you I might have talked about before you might be abreast of this whole idea of a collective consciousness now I don't necessarily subscribe to that but I do subscribe to an idea that we all share our experiences so although you know somebody might be diagnosed with clinical depression and you know to the untrained eye someone might say oh I can't relate to that that's something that's so weird and strange like clinical depression Jesus major depression I don't understand that well everybody's experienced feelings of sadness and hopelessness and despair and I think it's important to be able to relate that to something as clinical as you know major depression uh, as that experience just amplified up and maybe extended over a longer period of time and to those I suppose if I was to point uh, an idea towards people who don't if it was to point an idea towards people who do think that oh it's just kind of something I should man up with and get on with like I would argue that you're probably living a life of ignorance and also you if you have any inner worlds which you haven't expressed outwardly to those around you uh, an idea I came up with recently that uh, I was quietly slash loudly proud of seeing that I'm talking about right now was that if you don't express yourself you're actually detracting from somebody else's potential experience because you're not given the opportunity to those you love to understand to understand more about you and you're also refusing to give them the opportunity to help you feel better you're robbing them of the chance of getting to know you basically you're robbing them of the chance to get to know you which is a very important aspect but you're also robbing the joy that they, the potential joy that they would feel from helping you feel better. So, it, it basically, we both have people that that love us. So, if you have an inner world which you haven't expressed to them, you're robbing them from the chance to get to know you better. But also, it's likely that there are parts of your inner world that stress you or uh, detract from your experiences. So in that regard, if you do not express that to somebody else, you're robbing them the, of the opportunity to to help you, to help you hash through whatever feelings you might have. And I, I do think, now I feel like not only is it a very healthy thing to have nothing to hide, but I actually think it's a responsibility that we have to those we love to share with them as much as we possibly can about our inner worlds that it's incumbent on you to, to do such I, I I think so yeah now I'm I'm not a, a fan of absolutes and I, I don't I don't mean to suggest that people should do anything you know there is no onus on anybody to do anything but I do think that it's definitely a thought worth considering yeah no absolutely and just just thinking out loud I said there a minute ago that you're you know potentially robbing other people the opportunity of getting to know you but I think on an even deeper sense you're robbing yourself of the opportunity to get to know yourself absolutely if you, if you haven't kind of articulated your own 
feelings and thoughts and yeah. emotions. Well, if you're if you're constantly in dialogue with your with your inner monologue, if you're actually not expressing yourself, you're not going to get a a proper hold on who you are. Whereas as soon as you try and explain it to somebody else, then you'll understand. It's like that whole idea of if you if you think you understand something, you know, try and explain it to someone else. And if you can't explain it to someone else, well, then you don't understand it. And that's I think that's also translatable to you know your your inner world, your your emotional well being. If you can't explain it to someone else, well, then you probably don't understand it. And I so I'm coming from a position where if you don't understand your emotional well being, well, then you don't you're not living life to its fullest potential. You're not flourishing maybe as much as you could possibly be, which is not to suggest that I am, but. That's how I feel about the the idea. You're flourishing more, say, than you would be had you not been so in touch with your emotional well being, as you put it. Yes, that would be my idea. Do you have you replaced mental health with emotional well being? In the typical sense, yeah, because I feel like the phrase mental health was is basically poorly used. Um, so, to my knowledge, mental health is taken from something called you're probably familiar with the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of mental disorders. No, not at all. Basically, the the DSM is a tech is a medical textbook which is used by psychiatrists and psychologists worldwide, particularly psychiatrists, to understand uh, mental disorders better. Uh, mental in inverted commas. So, you know, mental health is is very very clinical as far as I'm concerned. It it doesn't really encapsulate the whole world of a person's emotional experience. Uh, I feel like it's kind of a a phrase that isn't very approachable. It's also it's not very um coherent isn't the right word, but it it it's not that it just to me it doesn't encapsulate an a person's emotional experiences, which I want to encapsulate as best as I can. So you know, somebody might talk about having an aberrant mental health, and that typically means something clinical. You know, they've they've been diagnosed with something, or they've 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 been to a doctor, and perhaps in in your instance instance maybe or the average person's instance, they haven't been to a psychologist or a doctor or a psychiatrist about their mind, and in that case, you know, they don't feel like mental health um, is something that concerns them. So. For want of a better phrase, I feel I've found one, which is emotional well-being, which was informed by a guy called Connor Cusack, an, an Irish, an Irish guy who works in the the area of emotional well-being, and someone who inspires me greatly. And he basically sold me on the term. And the more I thought about it, and the more I expanded on it, I feel like it is a much better phrase to encapsulate our emotional worlds and I feel like mental health actually kind of detracts from it it's a kind of a, it's, I don't know if it always was but I think it's become a loaded term has it? yeah well me- mental health mental health is the, la- is the language of disorders you know mental health depression anxiety to me those aren't relatable phrases to the to the average person now everybody can relate to emotions you know somebody know everybody knows what emotions are and you know, to expand on that, everybody I feel I hope will know what emotional well-being means. And in terms of depression, like people, when people hear depression, they're, they're thinking of that clinical thing, and that's because it is a clinical thing. Depression is, a, you know, probably I think the definition is basically an aberrant state of mental health, which indicates that a person's mood has been below a particular baseline, which is totally arbitrary based on the psychiatrist for a period of three weeks. 
like that's gobbledygook bullshit nonsense to your average person whereas you if you just talk about something like sadness and despair well fucking we all know what sadness and despair feels like we get fucked over at work you know or in life we feel sad we feel hopeless those are relatable experiences and they are depression and with anxiety people i suppose people do understand what anxiety means but a more a more base more animalistic phrase i feel which encapsulates it better um and more relatably is fear people understand what fear is um and i think on the general sense for our general conversation our conversation would improve if we use phrases like sadness uh, despair hopelessness um in terms of you know the to to replace the language of you know depression um and something like fear to replace the language of you know generalized anxiety uh, and emotional well-being to replace mental health because it's just it's it's a stale message and it, like it's a load of time when people hear I feel I I know I do uh, I think I reflect many people when people hear it just like oh that's what's this bullshit like mental health ugh, that's something that other people have to worry about mental health isn't a part of my life and I want to I suppose convince those people that emotional well being is yeah I think mental health is viewed as a problem like mm. if if you, if you were to say that you had good mental health it would imply that you used to be suicidal. Yeah, like, you know kind of way? and like n- not to, obviously not that there's anything wrong with having felt suicidal, but it it does it's it's loaded. Like you said, you know, having good mental health, like when you don't say you have, you know, I'm in good physical health unless you're talking to your fucking doctor for a checkup. You know, yeah. <laughs> like you know, how are you getting on? Oh, I'm in good physical health. Thank you very much. You know, how are you getting on? Oh, I've been feeling well. Emotional well-being, like you know, it's just it's a more accessible language, you know. Uh, I just I we we've it it was a very it's a very important phrase and it has its value, but its value is in a clinical sense, not in our everyday conversation. And in our everyday conversation, I want to replace it with emotional well-being. Now, people should and can still talk about mental health, but if they are talking about it, I feel like they should be talking about it from a clinical uh, perspective or maybe so, like in, a, in an academic paper or something. Um, but in terms of our everyday conversation, it's just, I know, I, I don't know who first used it in kind of an everyday conversation, but, uh, you know, time to, I feel it's, it's time that the language we use evolves, really. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And it, it's funny because... If you met somebody, you'd ask them how 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 were they feeling, hey, or if you know if if you wanted to if you wanted to know how somebody was feeling, you'd ask them how how were they feeling. You wouldn't ask them how's their mental health. Exactly, yeah. Like I know I, and feelings, I feel, are more encapsulated by emotional well being. Yeah, well, but, feelings and emotions are essentially the same thing, are they? Yeah, well, uh, feelings and emotions, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah, you know. Uh, Technically different, more than likely, but but colloquially speaking, yeah, I think I think that that's pretty much the same thing. Like, how are you feeling? Like how 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 are you feeling? Yeah, that that to me, that's that's uh, a question of emotional well being, not of mental health. Like if you're if you were to ask someone how's your mental health, like I'd be I'd be if I ask someone how is your mental health, I want clinical terms. If I ask someone how's their emotional well being, I want to know what they're honest experiences without worrying about the technicalities of everything you know yeah yeah um it's it's just i feel like it's a it's listen it, it's pretty it's pretty pedantic of me i'm being a bit of a fucking a moaning michael i'm being a bit <laughs> of an arsehole i'm sure but um i i just i feel like it's it's a it, it's it's what it's what i'm doing like it, 
I'm I I'm I'm always talking about your emotional well being and it fits nicely into the whole branding of what I do. You Y E W. So uh, it just to me to me, thank you Connor Cusack. Um, it makes sense. You've sold me and. I've been pursuing that now for quite a while. Yeah, no, I, I don't think you've been in an arsehole of, of, any, uh, of any form. I, I think it's... I think it's fundi- fundamentally imp- fundamentally important that we uh, nail down our language and that we become articulate, no matter what we're referencing. That The words that we use are so fucking important. People, people I think, lose sight of that. And I touched on this recently when I was talking about... Uh, the travelling community in Ireland, say. I don't think that they should be called the travelling community. I don't think they should be referred to as the travelling community, should I say. I think a much better way of phrasing it, or wording it, say, is to refer them as our travelling community. Yeah. Because you you identify them as something to be embraced, not separate. And that's just a, a tiny, tiny little example of how the language affects how we view and think about things, which is exactly basically what you're proposing by changing the terminology from uh, mental health to, to emotional well-being. Yeah, well, I think what's what's obvious when you're referencing our travelling community is that that's a much more inclusive idea. You know, they're, they're ours or something that we should be, be proud of. Um, it's, a, it's a really cool aspect of our culture uh, and they're... they're they're ours, you know. It's it's a it's an interesting aspect of ownership, um, and I feel like much like our traveling community, um, emotional well-being is more inclusive in, a, in in a very similar way. It doesn't have a collective pronoun or whatever our is, but it's uh, it works. It definitely works. I think, and that's a that's a very good analogy to use. And before we move on to to you, um. You mentioned the emotions there earlier. I was only thinking about this the other day because I intend to do a solo episode not on the emotions, but enacting the emotions. So um, what I'm thinking of doing is picking five emotions and doing, let's say, a a five-minute solo episode whereby for the first minute I'm sad, for the second minute I'm angry. And just to flip between the emotions, and and that's the, the idea that I have in my head now at the minute, but I haven't gotten to the stage whereby I'm going to write down what the five, eight, or ten emotions are. Are there clinically defined emotions? Oh, listen. Like, I, is there five emotions, or I'm listen. I'm I'm sure that five baseline emotions, like rainbow emotions, I suppose, are, are sorts. I, I'm I'm sure there are. Um, if there are, I'd guess that they are. You know, kind of happy, sad, angry, fearful. I'd say four probably. No, I'm sure I'm missing out on something. But yeah, listen, but they're they're probably subdivided into. Of course they are. And yeah. then like sadness would be would be uh, you know divided into you know hopelessness, uh, despair, um, you know grief, uh, you know anger would be divided into rage, uh, you know fury, fucking you know uh, frustration. You know obviously everything is subdivided, but I would imagine let's say the kind of more umbrella. Uh, Baseline emotions or you know um, wider ranging emotions are probably kind of happiness, sadness, uh, anger, and, and fear. I would imagine. But do you know something? I think there's a a major problem there, whereby people they they know how they're feeling because they're fucking feeling it on a moment to moment basis. But if you can't put a name on the emotion that you're feeling, 
like I think you, you'll you'll hear that from people. You'll ask them, you know, somebody who's you know not dealing well with their life. Say, let's say that their life their life is falling in on top of them. Say, and you ask them, you know, what's wrong? They'll tell you that things are terrible, but they won't tell you that they're in despair or you know they, they won't nail down the language they, they don't have the description of what they're feeling and when you don't have that it's kind of hard to to move on you, you know you, you can't you know there is a problem but you don't know what the problem is if that makes sense yeah well it, again even we're, we're obviously talking a lot about language there and uh, I think even there's a couple of things in in your own there like it it's not necessarily that these things are problems do you know uh, it I don't think it's a it's a problem to feel despair or it's a problem to feel fearful. I think the problem lies in, in not expressing that, you know. Um and we're I think it's it's hard for us to recognise our own emotional experiences because we don't talk about them. We people we're we're not in a culture of really articulating our emotional selves, so we can't really we feel like we can't relate to stuff and that's why I have conversations specifically geared around your emotional well-being you know uh, because that enables us to realize oh jesus i actually can have a relatable experience with this person like for instance i talked to a, a dear friend of mine recently that has obsessive compulsive disorder and i know it's quite a clinical thing but when when you hear that person expand upon it I, you know, I I would have never considered myself obsessive or compulsive when when that person described what they were going through. I was able to go, oh, I I I've I've been through that as well. So in terms of you know struggling to have the words to describe what it is you're feeling, I do believe that that's true, and I think the issue lies in basically us not speaking about those experiences. And if we did speak about them, we'd we'd develop a language and we we develop a we develop a language to, to around that and getting back to what you said you know problem like being sad being anxious being worried like the, it's no big deal like it's that's that's all right it's not it's not a problem the problem and the issue lies in not recognizing and expressing that um i've i've been saying this a few times over the past couple of weeks uh, Cormac Ryan, a legend friend of mine who I had the privilege of speaking to on the podcast, on my own podcast there last week, he describes courage uh, not in kind of you know getting on with things and being you know being real kind of you know gruff and manly or I don't know macho macho whatever, yeah, that, yeah. that's not courage like real courage is allowing yourself to feel whatever way you're feeling be it sad, angry, worried allowing that feeling to fall upon you and then expressing it outwardly that's courageous that takes fucking balls uh, whether you're a woman or a man that takes fucking serious courage um so in in relation to it being a problem and kind of you know moving past it i i would try and I suppose move away from that kind of language myself um it, I, i'd be a fan of allowing yourself embrace certain feelings and then expressing them because then you have uh, an ownership of your own emotional well-being and I know you're a fan of uh, Jocko Willink you know he talks about extreme ownership yeah extreme ownership is being able to feel something know you're feeling it 
and express it and then that feeling is yours to own you know yeah yeah no no absolutely um i think a big part of what you're saying is to to try and become emotionally articulate is that a way of wording it to become to become emotionally articulate and, and to become emotionally expressive you know uh, to to be willing to express yourself when you're feeling any sort of way you know we're all very good at expressing ourselves when we're in and around our baseline let's say our baseline is one of gen- general contentment you know i'm generally content now and i'm sure that comes across in the podcast you sound generally pretty content at at this moment in time it comes across in the podcast but when we're feeling low we pretend like we're generally content and i think it's about fucking time we started being a bit more honest to ourselves and everyone around us so we and we we lead by example showing like, giving them the opportunity to maybe be a bit more honest with us when when they are feeling similarly and in a, in and in on the the flip side of that is when you're feeling great yeah and you're feeling thankful or or you're you know and feeling sincere gratitude for someone you express that too so when somebody does something great for you you know you thank them um and you exercise grace and you know be show express your joy to people as well you know you wouldn't want to withhold your joy from someone why should you withhold your 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 sadness from them it's interesting what you have me thinking of is the workplace because in the workplace you're not really allowed to be sad or yeah. angry yeah or anything other than at work yeah and have we brought that home Maybe yeah, like that that culture of uh, in the workplace is complete and utter bullshit. Like that's just cat. Like that's not real, you know. And there's so much about the work environment that isn't real. Um, they're just kind of weird, arbitrary constructions of our culture. Like even for instance, like oh, you know, oh yeah, nine to five, Monday to Friday. That's that's what we all work now. Like that doesn't really make any sense, and. Neither does that idea of you know keeping to a an emotional baseline, which is normal. You know that's that has been that's an arbitrary normal, I should say, normal in inverted commas. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that was constructed. Um, and bringing it home, yeah, like I, I suppose we are. Like we're we're kind of whitewashing this in the right word, but we're kind of making our emotional lives very vanilla. Bland, bland, and yeah, you know, it's it's we it's it's we should enable ourselves to be maybe a bit more flamboyant with our with our emotions, just and be more honest and true to ourselves rather than have a a fake stoic nature. You know, stoicism is something that's kind of being talked about in the intellectual and emotional sphere quite a lot lately. Um, about how you know your baseline doesn't change that much and you know you're quite mindful when when things happen to you and you, you don't you don't necessarily flip when you're feeling angry and you don't necessarily cry when you're feeling sad and you know, there there is great value in the stoic philosophy but the practice of that is not as kind of ill-defined I suppose in today's culture where people want to be stoic and they end up just being ignorant you know and um, they end up being dishonest to themselves um yeah 
No, 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 no. It, it, it makes sense. But before we, and I'm conscious of getting back to the whole you thing, but there's just another thing that you mentioned because as as you talk, you just things just keep fucking flooding my head. To be honest, um, and I think there's something quite telling in that that when we speak of such matters. I'm kind of flooded with, oh, that makes sense in this way and that makes sense in that way. And it just goes to show how intrinsic this conversation is to mine and presumably most, if not everybody else's lives. But you mentioned courage there a few minutes ago. and I've spoken quite openly in the past in the podcast about my darker past, say, when I was uh, in the depths of depression, for want of a better term. And uh, people have said to me that I'm very brave for speaking about it. And I don't think I am. I think um, you, you could replace brave with courageous. So that's where that's where I'm, I'm going with this, or what what started it, should I say? I don't see my talking about it now, in retrospect, as being in any way brave or courageous. What would have been brave or courageous would have been speaking about it at the time. Yeah. Now maybe speaking about it in hindsight is well, it definitely is. No, maybe about it. It's definitely better than not being able to speak about it in hindsight yeah but what you're talking about is talking about it as it happens yeah pretty much now that's that's not to devalue what you've been doing over the past couple of months with the podcast and openly expressing yourself about your past like that is that is brave it's a, it's a, it's a different kind of brave it's you're exposing a, a vulnerability about your entire character which includes your past you know whereas it, it is it is certainly more difficult to express yourself when you're to express yourself openly when you're in you know uh, significant struggles but um you know i think there's a a self-flagellatory approach to what flagellatory is it's a new word i've invented just today <laughs> um sounded good yeah like there seems to be some kind of whipping yourself attitude there towards you know, oh, I would have been brave if I did it, but oh fuck, I'm not brave now. But sure, I might as well say it. And that's not true. You know, it, it there is a, a certain amount of courage there now. Uh, I suppose you're probably kind of it's part of your character. You're kind of a modest person. You're not going to be, you know, tooting your own trumpet or anything, um, which is good. But I do think it's important to recognise that that is an important thing to be able to to talk about your past freely and openly because I'm sure you'd want other people to act similarly and you will congratulate them. So, you know, you're allowed feel feel good about yourself for having done that, you know. Give yourself a little bit of congratulations. Not too fucking much, though. Yeah. <laughs> Pair it back there, Frano. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you. So you being your emotional well-being, the, the acronym being YEU. Indeed. What is that? Where did it start? And... Can you go way back? Yeah, yeah, well, fucking hell, how far back do you want me to go? I can go back to how the whole campaign or project started in earnest, uh, or I can go back and kind of why I started. You know, fucking, are we going back to 2014 or are we going back to 1994? Go back as far as you want. Um, well, I suppose for those who are unfamiliar with me, I can give a, a brief history of my own. Um, so I was born in 94, uh, May 1994, and... Yeah, born into a fucking unbelievable family, uh, which you are an important part of. So, obviously, we were bereft of dad in 1997, um, which was just before I turned three, um, which was obviously an experience of significant emotional salience, to put it mildly. And 
that was all right. Went to school, and mom did a fantastic job of raising us. And then, uh, yeah, like uh, I suppose struggled with kind of confusion, of course, in childhood, not really understanding what the story was, you know, where where dad was or whatever. And that was a weird thing. But then it wasn't until maybe ten years later that I actually properly grieved and went through a a more un, a more typical bereavement process, kind of in early teens and um. Oh, was diagnosed as depressed and but more importantly I was feeling very very hopeless uh, I was feeling suicidal as a, a child basically which was you know uh, not ideally what you'd want for a child and uh, had a lot of therapy was was put on antidepressants which was controversial considering I was very very young and um, yeah basically that was that, that that articulates my teenage years very briefly and then going into my later years um I had a inverted commas mental breakdown when I was 20 um when I moved to Texas and that was probably the closest to death I suppose I I became um I was wanted to wanted to kill myself and so I had a, I've I've had a, a tumultuous emotional experience in my in my personal life, and um, I've also uh, suffered uh, pretty bad with uh, anxiety attacks and you know, panic attacks, as people know them. Um, and yeah, you know, through different experiences, you know, through our shared bereavement of dad, and you know, our other shared bereavements as well, and then just different personal stresses. You know, that I wasn't able to manage them effectively. I didn't have the tools. Um, so through no fault of my own or mom's or anyone's um but anyway so i'm sure it's clear that emotional well-being is of significant importance to me from what i'm just after saying and um anyway ultimately i ended up studying neuroscience in college so i pursued my interests of about the mind and about the brain and about our inner worlds and with that in mind i'll give you a bit a brief bit of context as to why I started what was called the Cash Face campaign. Um, you're familiar with Cash Face. Cash Face was kind of a, a, a joke. I'm sure we'll attach a picture of us doing Cash Face or something, or you face, as I call it now, after. <laughs> and it was started as a joke, which our brother, Aidan, and his friends uh, played on bartenders. So, you know, they, they'd ask for a pint of Guinness. And be like, oh, that's five euro, and then they'd, pull the cash face expression and we're like oh cash you know do, doing the silly face and anyway I recognised that catching on and I realised it was something to be capitalised on and I remember thinking geez, what can I do with this oh, will I you know get people to change their profile pictures um, will I do something like Movember you know something for a month where you know what what sort of cause would I support and you know I was thinking would I do something like uh, motor neuron disease or what would I do and uh, or would I you know try and do something for homelessness and I was like well listen what I what I have the most significant interest in is at the time I would have articulated as mental health and I was like you know mental health it is uh, important to me and I feel like it's a it's a topic which hasn't been broached too effectively and could be broached more so there was a culture in 2014 of kind of speaking more openly about your experiences and people really getting into it and um, I suppose I I became part of that and got people to change their profile pictures uh, to one of them doing the cash face expression and I 
put in the nothing to hide philosophy. So that whole idea of being forthcoming about our emotional experiences um, that I we've been talking about for the past while. And then uh, that was a bit of crack. People changed their profile pictures. Got a laugh, you know. Very accessible. Good crack. And that was what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be a bit of fun with with serious undertones. And then in 2015, I felt, I was kind of like, you know, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of recognition. People have been changing their profile pictures. But, like, what what really happened, you know? Yeah, people might have started a conversation about what nothing to hide meant, but I never really expanded upon it. So I decided to kind of lead by example and come forward with my own emotional story um, and encourage others to do similarly. So I called it my cash fest story and I encourage other people to share other people to share their cash fest story. And that that got a lot of traction online. You know, my story was shared in the Independent. Um, I had Campus.ie collaborating with me, uh, sharing different articles. Um, you know, hundred, probably thousands of shares in the end, and tens of thousands of likes and all that kind of crack on on different people's stories. So that was brilliant. That was fantastic. People who are coming forward with their emotional experiences, people who had never come forward with them before, and it was great. Um, now ironically I put myself in a difficult position because I was in the middle of college I was studying abroad and I was coordinating this big campaign which was largely popular well which was really mainly popular in Ireland and I was living in Texas so I kind of took too much on and um, anyway because I took so much on I ended up kind of fucking myself over and that informs why I took a year and a half break from the whole thing if not longer a two year break really from the whole thing and anyway I'm skimming over a lot of stuff there um, I can, we can get back to that of course if, if you if you see fit but um, then this year I decided that cash face kind of made no sense the name was uh, not very appropriate or decent for what I wanted to do in the beginning uh, so I decided to change the name to you face Y-E-W face which would inca- which would form just part of the larger U project Y-E-W project so now U face is back in action uh, on social media and I also run a podcast called All About You Y-E-W for All About, All About Your Emotional Wellbeing and um, the cash face stories are now I suppose U face stories and they will form part of the story bank and ultimately, I want a story bank to become an encyclopedia of the human condition. So basically, uh, a repository of stories which will encapsulate the wealth of emotional experience which humankind can encounter. Um, and then All About You, I suppose, forms part of that. And then the You Face part of the project will kind of continue on what I've been what I've been doing with cash face over the past couple of years right and who's gravitated towards what you've been doing do you know what kind of a demographic that you're let me rephrase that are you after a certain demographic or has a certain demographic found you or who's who's listening who's reading who's sharing yeah like you can see that on on the facebook page i think that you know the audience is divided 
between the sexes a little bit. You know, there's more of one sex versus another. Um, but ultimately, I think that's not necessarily inherent to the campaign, but maybe more indicative of the platform I'm on. So I think it's not that, you know, you and All About You and You Face is a, a more is suited more to a male audience or suited more to a female audience but I think it's maybe put in front of maybe male or female audience by you know the algorithms and stuff so who's my target audience I hate to be an annoying bollocks but everybody you know anybody who's online and anybody who's offline ultimately um at, at present I'm only really active online but uh I want to innovate and kind of get you know also be active outside of the online space so um yeah really anybody now uh i suppose that question i have a better answer for that question when it comes to the podcast so for guests on the podcast there's only really one qualifying criteria that you're willing to that you're a human which is a fairly easy criteria to fulfill and that you're willing to have nothing to hide is uh, is is basically the criteria for a guest so the podcast is me trying to encourage the listener to open up about their emotional experiences through an honest and open conversation with the guest and I try and encourage the, my guest to have nothing to hide uh, and as a host I try and have nothing to hide as well and be totally forthcoming um, so yeah, that's the qualifying criteria for the podcast but in terms of the tar- like the target audience if you were to call it that uh it's like everybody and nobody, if that makes sense. Yeah, look, I'm kind of the same. I'm not particularly targeting anyone. Yeah. Whoever gravitates towards what I'm doing, whoever um, gets benefit from it, you know, whoop de do. You're you're all welcome. Do you know that kind yeah, of way? yeah. Like if if maybe maybe somebody needs to hear something else other than what I'm saying. What I'm saying mightn't be suitable to to everyone and. If this isn't suitable for you, if it's not floating your boat, if you're not into it, you know, no, no harm done. You know, yeah. you're probably the same. Like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I hope, I hope what I'm doing, uh, there are, there are at least aspects of it that are, you know, attractive to everybody, um, and that's why I get different guests on. You know, I, I want to have a variety of guests, so I'll have, you know, older people, younger people. Uh, you know, men, women, ideally I'd have people from different countries coming on as well so that, <clears throat> like, you're going to reach different networks every time and, you know, hopefully they'll they'll maybe learn something and, and, and you're really doing something similar there as well. Like, you're talking to a wide variety of people and there'll be, I think there's something in what you're doing for everybody. Now, that's not to say that all of what you're doing is for everybody. Like, I'll, I'll admit to not having listened to a lot of your podcasts because, you know, a lot of it isn't for me. Now, for a, maybe a more diehard off the lead fan they would have listened to everything but you know they're they're that's not representative of your audience at large you know yeah and the same as me like let's say i have i have three podcasts published now and i have i have another four in recording that i just have to kind of polish the bells and whistles on um and i don't expect anybody really to listen to all of them um i hope you know, somebody loves one so much that they decide to listen to more. But if they've listened to one, that's fucking class. Um, and if they haven't listened to any because they're not into it, that's all right too. Maybe I'll get you on someday and you can encourage your friends who are similarly minded to listen to our conversation, you know. Um, 
but yeah there's no there's no necessarily no no target audience when you uh, say you're looking to move it offline what do you mean because i literally only put up a solo uh, podcast this morning in relation to my newly made facebook page yeah not facebook page facebook group yeah um and what i was saying about the group which is in its infancy it's literally only up a day or two and it has a post on it and, and, and that's about it but what i don't want it to become is another reason for us to bury our heads in our smartphones yeah i want the group ideally to be a catalyst for actual offline participation and meetups and and whatever else so whether it's organizing a swim or a run or a tour of my business or someone else's business or yeah. or even just this tunnel out in the back lawn to show people exactly yeah. what the setup is like but something to promote offline because i think yeah. if if you or anyone else is listening is anything remotely like me you spend far too fucking much time with your head buried in that little yeah. glass we we carry around with us so what have you been thinking or what have you put anything into into play or have you done anything in the past or what's your views on taking things kind of offline if, if you've any even yeah well uh, there's a couple of things there just in, I totally agree with you in relation to our phones and social media and stuff they're kind of big attention sinks and crocks of shit you know we don't really get much value out of Facebook like it's great if people discover what I'm doing and they, they you know get get some sort of information from it and like, like likewise with, with what you're doing with the off the lead project and the off the lead podcast um, you know that's fantastic but ultimately I don't want to contribute to people feeling they have to check their Facebook uh, every other day because that would be uh, I, I would actually be, be quite disappointed in myself if that was the case so in terms of going offline I think I, if 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 there is any sort of onus on us, uh, we we have to innovate. Now I'm not necessarily sure what the answer to that innovation will be. Um, I have ideas for maybe events, uh, which could be advertised in more in the more old school ways, like you know let, letters in the in the in your in your post box in your local community, or uh, like advertisements uh, on radio or or in newspapers or on message boards and stuff. So you could have um like for instance for you you could have a, an off the lead run through the fields or something and you could just you know invite people to go trail on a you or something like that you know um and, and cool. it, yeah you know and and in in my instance i might have um uh all about you live podcast or something or uh an all about you speaking event um this is something that i an idea i tied with in the past but never executed um having an a, a spoken word event in in let's say the evening time in in a university would be a great place to have it and let's say you have five scheduled speakers with the there and there'll be a headline speaker after the first four speakers the first four speakers will be people just speaking on stage about their emotional experiences followed by a q a and then at the end there'll be a headline speaker like let's say somebody famous or somebody you know of particular notoriety in the community uh speaking about their emotional experiences and they would be the draw to to hear other people maybe speak about theirs but also having an event specifically geared towards emotional well-being as opposed to just some random kind of you know guest speaker you know if that makes sense so that, that's something that I tied with um I think it'd be fairly easy easy to do easy to sell um you know two euro entry five euro entry with pro- all proceeds going to Pieta house or something um or so, or you know, some similar organization. Um, so that's one idea I had, but 
like asking you know having a newsletter um having people sign up to a newsletter um one thing i want to do is uh set up different uh, online groups um the the obvious the obvious infrastructure to make these groups would be on something like facebook much like the much like the off the league group you've made yeah um so i think you're making different groups titled this groups for you so imagine there'd be a this groups for you yuw uh Kilberry, and i'd have a volunteer administrator for that page let's say it was you you volunteered to be the administrator you'd invite different people in the community and it would be a space where people could I suppose, reveal their emotional selves, learn about each other more, and maybe support each other as you know uh, uh, as best they can, um, or even just introduce themselves. Uh, and I was thinking of having this group's for you, Kilberry. This group's for you, Wilkinson. This group's for you, Navin. This group's for you, Waterstown. Uh, and having just loads of little local communities uh, f- to which people can share their emotional experiences with their neighbours. Uh, now I have to expand that idea. I don't know how how well it'd work. I've yet to execute it in any stretch in any sort of way, but um, I I think that there might be something there in that, and that would be a more useful way of using our online platforms as opposed to just contributing to the news feed of kind of oh listen to my podcast oh support me on Patreon oh fucking this is great that's great you know it's actually a bit maybe a bit more give and take to and fro i know you love your feedback um and the best way to interact with the public is to really engage them in what you're doing in conversation and i feel like maybe something like a private local group would be more beneficial to that as opposed to let's say you know a public page with you know a few thousand likes or something yeah i'd be inclined to agree with you and just literally thinking out loud because like by your own admission it's, it's not a thought that you've fully formulated but you could probably get into bed with existing community groups. Like the the one that just cut sprung to mind when you were speaking there was something I actually don't know anything really about. But men's sheds. Are you familiar with men's sheds? V- vaguely. Look, the only thing that I know about them is that there's one, you know, in I think there's one in Retote, and there could be one in Navan, and there's one in Dundalk, and there's one in you know Galway. There's there's all these different. Um, groups all flying under the same banner and the basically what you'd be doing is tapping into pre-existing local communities yeah. as opposed to trying to start a new local community you know, yeah. all the way across the country. So if you could tap into an already existing national group, say. Yeah. Um, well, you, I think that that's definitely a great idea um, because there are, there are certain infrastructures there which are which will be willing to willing to be helpful i'm sure i think our goals or our missions would converge similarly there and that we want to you know increase well-being and increase flourishing in local communities you know that's i I would imagine that's pretty much the ultimate goal of what we'd want to do so i'm sure they'd be willing to maybe help out with what i'm doing if i could especially you know i'm sure i could inform what they're doing as well but um in relation to my idea you're also giving people a volunteering opportunity uh, let's say if you have somebody who's particularly active in your local community I'd like to think that would be a cool project for them to want to involve themselves in to be an administrator for your local group and you're inviting people and you're saying hello you know this is this is Fran McKeown uh, I'm the administrator for this group's for you Kilberry uh, the group is set up for all of us to get to know each other better on a more human level um 
you know, I'm going to reveal a, a bit about myself here, a bit of emotional expression, so you understand me better. Uh, and you know, I I'm I want to be more active in my community, and if there's any way I can help you, that'd be savage. And here are the things that you know maybe you can help contribute to in in my life, or you know, this is how we can all help each other. Like, you know, I I don't I, I kind of when I'm speaking out loud here, I sound probably a little bit soppy, but I think that there is potential for for something there. Like I said. I have yet to flesh it all out, but um, I think there's something there. Anyway. No, no, I, I, I agree with you entirely. And I think there's great utility in... Uh, there's one thing... Your man, what's his face? Brezzy, is that his name? He'd be quite prolific in uh, promoting you know, a positive mental attitude or in improving your mental health or your emotional well-being or, or whatever. And he's a, a relatively kind of famous character and if, if Bono came out and shared his story there'd be great utility in that but these are you know people that are kind of up there and far away and far removed and you know who gives a shit really but if it was the captain of your local football team mm. or if it was the lads who employed more people in your locality than anyone else mm. or if it was the guy who's always out pounding the roads in your area or the, the lad who owned the pub or the lad who drove the the nice car or, or whatever the fuck it is it's more kind of tangible it's more it's more real yeah. so the more local you can make it kind of the better like. yeah absolutely well the GAA is a community that I wanted to definitely get involved in and I I, I have to a certain degree like for instance this year uh the Mead ladies were very, very kind and they donated a signed jer- f- signed football jersey for a little competition I ran in, fe- in February, Feb Y-U-W-E-R-Y. Um, you know, and they they got a team U-Face picture. And one thing I wanted to do with the GA in the future was, as well as kind of do presentations for teams and, you know, try and practice a bit of sports psychology with, with teams, also have get get a U-Face picture of lots of different teams but also promote one, a member of the team to like an emotional well-being captain so that that person will be a confidant you know for for other team members to reveal their emotional selves and they can provide some emotional support um and I definitely think there is an opportunity for uh, different important local groups to help help foster a, a, a helpful emotional environment that's cool. What did what did you what way did you phrase that? Uh, uh, something captain. An emotional well being captain or something, you know, like so. There, yeah, yeah, I like, you I like ha- that idea. Yeah, you, like there's there's your everyone. Every team has their captain, but you know they're geared towards you know everything. They're geared towards tactics on the field. They're they're kind of a a, a role model for the rest of the team. But I think I, I I think it would be cool if there was an emotional well being captain as well, and um, someone, you know, who could basically be there to support the team emotionally as well as kind of in training physically and that kind of thing you know yeah and like the the kind of more typical captain you would pick the best like typically speaking the captain of a football team is the strongest fastest most most athletic physically imposing person on the pit on the pitch yeah if you're not going to fuck with anyone on the pitch it's the captain yeah do you know that kind of way so presumably your you know emotional well-being captain or, or whatever phrase you want to yeah. use 
would be the same. They would yeah. be the one most in touch with their yeah. their emotions and their well being yeah. and whatever else. And you could have you could have multiple captains in the same team, and you could have the team maybe subdivided into little groups like of maybe three or four. And there'll be one, one maybe leader of of a group, and they share their emotional experiences all together with themselves, and then uh, with the idea of be- maybe becoming more comfortable in a smaller environment, and then that being a step closer to revealing their emotional selves on a on a on a bigger on a bigger platform with the team, and then maybe even extend that to the local community. It's done. It's it is it is a, a tactic which is used by a, a lot of teams to kind of improve morale and improve performance in the pitch and stuff. But um, I don't know. I I think I can. Maybe try and develop that and incorporate it into you know the U project, um, much like the this groups for U idea. It is in its development stages, and I've yet to do any action on it. So um, yeah, these ideas aren't necessarily fully fledged, but you, I suppose you get the idea. And I'm going to ask you for your you know your email address and your website and your Facebook page. I'll do all that shit at the end. But just now, on the off chance that I forget, if somebody's listening to this and you know, has an idea or maybe you've already kind of clicked something in their head or someone who wants to get involved or someone wants to to help you, say, in what you're doing. Have you an email address or a Facebook page that you can direct them to or... Yeah, absolutely. Well, so the the Facebook page is currently UFace. Um, I think the handle might be at your emotional well-being. Uh, I've been trying to change the name to just YEW, uh, but Facebook isn't necessarily conducive to that. So yeah, me- you can message a Facebook page absolutely. Um, you can reach out to me on on Facebook. You know, Pat McKeown. Uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Pat McKeown fifteen. Uh, my personal email address is Pat McKeown fifteen at gmail dot com. Uh, I think it's important for me to be able to to share that with people because it is such a you know, it's a personal thing, and people can reach out to me specifically if they want to do it. They don't have to, you know, message a random Facebook page. Um, so yeah, I, I really want. I'm always open to collaboration with people. Uh, the collaborative nature of what I've done in the past is the only reason I had any success, uh, and that's that's true going forward as well. You know, people being willing to come on the podcast, talk about their most experience, people being willing to share their stories, people uh, changing their profile pictures, all that kind of crack. Um, that's the only reason it's had any success. You know, so yeah, to to everybody who is interested in in coming on or in, in getting on board or learning more about it, please please get in touch because I I really want to hear from you. All right, cool. No. And as I said, I will definitely, and if I don't, make sure to remind me, we'll go through the different places that you can be reached and we'll give out your address and that again towards the end. But I think it's important that we throw that in somewhere in the middle or ideally we would have, we would have done it at the start to put it into the back of people's minds as they listen to us throughout this recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, you're reachable, say, and that, you know, yeah. that you can you can be spoken to and contacted and, and whatever else. So if anybody, it, I, I don't know, there's, there's something to that. It kind of, it puts it into your mind as you're listening This you know, you, yeah. can, you can get involved as opposed to listening to the whole thing from start to finish. And then when it's over, if you want to contact me, here's the contact details. Yeah. And you've kind of, you don't really know what you would have contacted you about. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sense. Well, hopefully uh, I might have sold one or two people on contacting me with my first spiel. So if I said that in the beginning, it might have been a bit more brazen. So we'll, uh, we'll play it that way and pretend we had it all planned from the beginning. Cool, cool. Happy days. Another thing that's come to mind now is this idea of staying, in, in keeping with this idea of having like a captain. There's the... 
there's kind of two parts of people that you know they're, they're they're one and the same. Bear with me here, but there's the the kind of the, the physical part and the the mental part, say, and nobody passes, no nobody passes on your remarks to having a gym membership, say. Mm. You know we we and it's in the it's in the public sphere to you know that you should eat right and that you should you know maybe exercise and train and have a healthy heart and you know not clog up your arteries with cholesterol and fats and fucking all this jazz and you know don't eat too much sugar there's a lot of awareness about that and there's a competitive element of that like look at look at sport mm. is there a competitive element to emotional well-being or could there be uh, potentially well just getting back to the, the whole gym idea you know our local gym Club Active shout out to Nolly and Navin um, he has the physio there you know uh, and one thing that I've been kind of toying with the idea of is having like so you go to your gym uh, your physio is there and your you know mindful coach is there as well so there's another there's another bit of infrastructure there for emotional well-being like so yeah here's my holistic yeah life training you know I, I pop in I, I, go, I go I do my training I make sure everything's okay with my body uh, when I by popping up to the physio and you know I do a bit of mindfulness practice in the mindful space or I go go and have a bit of therapy in the in the therapeutic space you know um, so I think there's definitely room for that kind of innovation and that in the kind of personal fitness space where you can have an emotional fitness space in the same building um, and then in relation to in relation to what you said kind of a, a competitive aspect to emotional well-being um, no not that, not that I know of no I, I, there's like in in the in the physical space you know you can you can add more plates to your to your bench press you can you know you can squat more you can sprint faster with uh, with emotional well-being you can be either more forthcoming or you know more honest uh or not you know it's it's you know it's not it's not a comparative game and that's something that i really want to 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 say to people you know uh when you're when you're expressing yourself emotionally don't compare yourself to someone else so you know what what's very important to you might have might be of little to no significance to somebody else but that's not to devalue your interpretation of that experience you know um you shouldn't uh berate yourself for feeling a certain way because of certain circumstances and being like oh you know just poor children in africa starving there are children in africa starving but they if they were you and you were them you know everything would be totally different no shit sherlock you know you can't you can't compare your emotional experience to someone else. So in that in that regard, I I don't think there can be a competitive element. You're either honest and forthcoming, or you're not. And I would encourage people to be honest and forthcoming. But you know, when when you're ready, and um, don't don't be doing it because Jimmy down the road has done it. Do it because you feel like it's a it's a healthy and responsible thing to do. And um, don't be trying to you know beat yourself up. It's not. It's I I think if 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 people make a competition out of it. They're, uh, they're gamifying their emotional experience which is more valuable than that and they're yeah they're they're not doing a healthy exercise I don't think yeah no because just as, as you were explaining it there it kind of became clear in my head there's obviously downsides to competitiveness there are in some in some circumstances so we could yeah. be lucky that there isn't a competitive element to emotional well-being yeah yeah um 
Yeah, yeah, you work away. This is actually nice because I let uh, Pat just come around to the jacks and to my regular listeners, you'll know that I do intend to video record these podcasts and when I do that, I'm going to upload them live, which will mean that if somebody needs to go to the jacks, like Pat's just needed to there, I'm going to have to fill the space, fill the intervening space. So when better to get a bit of practice at that than now? And I'm going to add in a little plug for my own show, Off The Lead. Show, movement, group, cult, I don't know what to call it, to be honest with you. Gang, I don't know, mentality, philosophy, way of life. I really need help in kind of the the language, actually, as, as Pat was saying. I need to nail down what this is. So if you're a regular listener, or maybe if you're not, maybe this is the first time you're tuning in, either or, I'd be keen to hear from you in relation to what you liked about this episode, what you disliked about it. Try and keep it as constructive as possible. Um, Oh, your shit doesn't really help. Not that I've gotten anything like that. The uh, feedback I've been getting has been overwhelmingly positive, which has been a great... Which has just been great. It's been it's been really encouraging, and the the feedback I've been getting from people is is fantastic. But I don't think I've mentioned this in the podcast before. I have a Patreon account, and to those of you who are unfamiliar with Patreon, Patreon is a way for you to essentially support what you would like to see more of in the world. So if you've been enjoying the solo episodes that I've been recording, if you've been enjoying the conversations that I've been having, this one and others, you can now financially support me if you can afford to and if you want to. Um, you can donate as little as a euro a month or anything more than that should you feel the need or want to donate as such but my intention is to keep what I'm doing what I'm uploading free for all forever so I don't intend to get sponsors I don't intend to put ads in I want to keep it as sick bag at the ready as organic as I can so supporting me through Patreon is a great way of doing that if you don't have the euro a month, you can like it, you can share it, you can review it, you can write your review on it, you can subscribe to it, you can talk to people about it, you can share it amongst your WhatsApp groups and your Facebook groups and all that jazz. You're able to share it on WhatsApp? You really are. You can wow. just take a screenshot, Pat, and send it to all your friends. Wow, amazing. Send to all. Wow, <laughs> nice. Jeez, there's so many ways you can support this fantastic initiative. There really is. Is there many ways that people can support your initiative, Pat? You'd be surprised, Flano. There are. Really? Tell yeah. me more. <laughs> well, listen, you can become more forthcoming about their emotional experiences for a start. And if anything I've said has been of any interest whatsoever, have a look at the page. Um, yeah, share it, like it, all that good stuff. Um, when I find myself in with more content that might be worth financially supporting, I'll give people the opportunity if they want to fucking daily, if they don't. Who gives a shite? Like you know, um, like you said, it's 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 we we vote with our money. So if you want to see more of a certain thing, um, you know, throw a few quid at it. And um, if you don't want to, you know, you're not doing this for the money. I'm not doing this for the money. Um, but obviously, it's nice to be able to invest more time in what we're doing if it is somewhat profitable. Oh, absolutely, and like to just to give regular listeners to regular listeners to this show an idea I make the recordings that I'm making and do what I do basically on top of a 70 odd hour work week so you can imagine what I'd be capable of and what the increase in quality would be like if I didn't have that 70 hour work week what like what what could I do what what could I do with your help and you know 
what could we achieve? Because I, I genuinely think that the sky is the limit for for me and for anyone listening, and indeed for yourself, Pat. Like I don't see why Ireland say can't become the poster child for emotional well-being. I don't see why we can't double this country's GDP in the next fucking twenty years on the back of people opening up about their emotions and essentially living with the philosophy of there being nothing to hide. We kind of glossed over the whole nothing to hide thing. It was mentioned once or twice. Mm. But can you expand a bit on that? And not not so much the story of what it was and where... Or yeah, may, maybe even do that. Yeah, I can, I can give a, a, a brief insight. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with Alistair Campbell. He was the spin doctor for Tony Blair. Uh, he came to speak at UCD and now... Forget about his politics. I am not. I'm pretty much actively disinterested in politics and the majority of current affairs. Um, some current affairs, and uh, anyway, so he came and started speaking about his emotional experiences as a early twenties man in college. He had a mental breakdown and uh, he suffered significantly with alcoholism, and he was in death's door. And basically, to the audience who was there, of which I was one. Remember, uh, he said, don't, if if you're suffering, don't man up, don't just get on with it, don't get through it, uh, be honest to yourself and open up about your experiences, uh, you know, we should have nothing to hide, basically, and that had a profound impact on me, I was like, nothing to hide, nothing to hide, that has a fucking lovely ring to it, and uh, bears really really high value when it comes to emotional experiences so that was just what i slapped on the profile picture change and it's been at the core of everything i've been doing in this realm over the past few years having nothing to hide being forthcoming about your emotional experiences um and to me that's what having nothing to hide is being forthcoming and being honest uh and having a an attitude of total disclosure uh, and that's what nothing to hide means to me ideally you'd have that that conversation with someone close to you but presumably there's great utility in sharing your story with a blind stranger too is there because that's essentially what people might be doing if they're going to share their story with you obviously if they don't know you yeah well listen i i think it's important that let's say if we are struggling emotionally that we do open up to the people that love us because they're the ones that can support us uh much better than a blind stranger you know we all have people that love us we we forget it all the time but you know if you're if you're sitting there listening thinking jesus i don't have that many people that love me stop lying to yourself there are people that love you Um, it's probably likely that myself and frano have a bit of love for you even uh, because we want the best for everybody around us but anyway um the utility in sharing your emotional experience with a blind stranger is definitely true there is utility there um you know there are different like, groups online uh, that kind of support each other, uh, and you know they they wouldn't know each other personally, but I suppose they know each other in the online sphere. Um, but yeah, I think it's more important that we share our emotional experiences to we, those we love first, because I think that's maybe a, a healthier thing. I think there's a there's an element of ignorance when we share our stories to other people because we kind of, I think we do it with the safety of knowing, oh, these are other people, I'm not going to be seeing these all the time, so it's not the same as sharing your uh, most experiences with those you love. It could be a, an incremental step, though, could it, to use my language? Uh, it, it it could it could be. Um, if, whether it's a step in the right or the wrong direction, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I'm sorry, but I'm confused as to why it would be a step in the wrong direction. 
because if you get too comfortable with with sharing your emotional experiences to those that you don't know, maybe it might be maybe it might actually even make it more difficult and to someone you you do know like the the likelihood of someone you love acting compassionately is probably oh well not necessarily greater um but when you're sharing your story with someone you don't know um or that someone that doesn't know you well i just i i don't know i i it, it it hasn't something hasn't something I it isn't something I place much consideration in. But now that I think about it, I just I don't know. I think there's just my intuitions uh, tell me that you're better off telling someone you you love first. Now listen, and someone that loves you first. But listen, um, my intuitions aren't to be trusted. So yeah, no, of course, and, and nor are mine. And I think I've I've said this a couple of times in the solo episodes. And if I if I I might actually do a, a dedicated solo episode to this topic, not to listen to too much of what I say or not not even that but not to take anything I say as gospel yeah oh Jesus yeah. I'm wrong about most things yeah if not all things yeah yeah <laughs> and if you were to take what I'm saying as gospel you've just exchanged one lead for another yeah oh like Jesus I, yeah and I, I hate the idea of off the lead being a lead in itself yeah you know somebody who's a fan say and something happens they're straight onto Facebook to hear what I've said about it yeah. to get their opinion off me. Yeah, like that—that that, you know runs contrary to the whole concept from the from the start. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's important that you you say that as well. Um, that you know, I I have fucking great ideas as far as I'm concerned. I'm not saying they're objectively great; they're subjectively great from my fucking uh, silly level of self-esteem at times. But um. I, my intuitions aren't to be trusted. Your intuitions aren't to be trusted. Don't follow everything I say as gospel. I just want to provide ideas for people to consider um, and not necessarily, you know, go, oh, Jesus, well, Pat said that. Jesus, he's, and Pat's right about stuff. So, you know, and Frano, fucking hell, he's really telling me to do this. I wonder what he'd tell me to do about something else. Yeah, like your opinion's valuable, but that's exactly what it is. It's an opinion. It's not an empirical fact. Um, and, you know, it should be treated as such. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um nothing to hide then so you heard Alistair Campbell was that his name yeah he said that that resonated with you you had the the kind of hashtag campaign yeah the hashtag like hashtag nothing to hide on your profile pictures online yeah the overlay yeah okay and uh, where has that gone since or has that because there was a couple of things going on there was there was the nothing to hide there was cash face there's you face is that all under the you face banner now yeah, or like will the, it all be under you yeah, or one one thing that my my exploits have suffered from in the past has been a, maybe a lack of coherence uh, so like uh, oftentimes people have said oh what how's that nothing to hide thing you're doing or how you the the, the cash face story thing and you know people almost didn't really know what it was I was doing or what how they should refer to it. like not as if there was any right way or wrong way to refer to it uh, but yeah, now I I'm trying to get get that cohesion uh, in the form of an overarching you project. So the the the, the project at large is Y E W your emotional well being, and under the you banner there is there's you face, there's the all about you podcast, there's the story bank, um, and I suppose like. There is ne- there isn't necessarily a nothing to hide thing. It's just a core philosophy that's at the center of everything I'm doing. So with the podcast, 
people are encouraged to have nothing to hide and I'm trying to convince people that that's a healthy philosophy um, that's what the podcast with the profile picture change it's the same thing um, you know you're, you're, you're putting nothing to hide on your profile picture and you're you're maybe sparking a conversation around what that means uh, with, with those that know you and also with the story bank obviously total disclosure on having nothing to hide is at its core as well so there isn't necessarily a nothing to hide thing but it's a core philosophy of the U project and every subdivision of that U project um, yeah no no no, no, no it's cool sense. I, I wouldn't beat yourself up too badly not, not, not that you are really but I wouldn't dwell on the fact that it's been to use improper language a bit all over the place for the last couple of years say I think that would be part, that would make part of the coolest part of your story mm. in two years time or yeah. 20 years time or whatever yeah. and I've been preaching a lot about doing things badly yeah, because done beats perfect and I think a lot of people obsess over how well they're going to be able to do something to the point that they never try in the first place which is the only kind of failure yeah, it's as far as I'm concerned, at least you know, just not trying for 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 whatever reason. Yeah. So now that everything's kind of coming together, because it's probably taken you a couple of years to to make your mistakes and to learn and to grow and to develop and all that jazz to get the kind of wide-reaching viewpoint that you either have or are en route to having. So from where you are now, like, what's looking forward look like? Uh, What's the plan, basically? That's a very good question, and it's it's not something I have a, an answer to because I don't really know what I'm at. I'm currently uh, looking looking for work in the, in this area, looking for paid work. I suppose that's where something like Patreon would be fantastic. Like if if I did have any sort of uh, financial backing, be it uh, you know charitable or uh, government or something, I, I will be able to, obviously would be able to pursue what I'm doing more. But at the moment, um. I've been applying for jobs with different charities, uh, you know, as a volunteer coordinator or as a research assistant or something like that. That would be what my uh, academic credentials would be in. Um, and then I'd pursue the podcast part-time. And I've been toying with the idea of uh, going back to university to pursue a master's or PhD uh, in in psychology or perhaps in something like prevention science which would maybe imbue me with some information and with some credentials to help uh, employ different curricula to, to develop a curriculum in schools for developing a healthy emotional well-being to try and you know employ some preventative measures uh, for emotional suffering in the future that would be something like prevention science but if I was to do, uh, if I was to get a qualification in, psych- in psychology or psychotherapy obviously that would inform everything I want to do and I'd also have uh, I'd be able to butter my bread uh, with uh, the money I'd make from therapy um, an idea an interesting idea I have for therapy uh, which I may or may not pursue if I do become a therapist um, is not having a fee but just having a post box at the front to which people can contribute uh, whatever they can and in that case, if I had a, a rich client, they could pay for the next five clients. Um, and if, and those five clients, if they, couldn't, if they couldn't afford it, then they wouldn't have to pay anything. So my services would be free um, because money is not something I want to influence what I'm doing. So I don't want to only have rich clients or wealthy clients. Um, 
and when I'm when I do work in schools, which I've done in the past and which I endeavour to do in the future, uh, I don't want to have like a fee or something. So uh, try I don't know how to move away from that f- whole financial culture of services, but um, it's something that I'll also try and innovate. So your Patreon account is up and running. <laughs> Lol, it's not. No. <laughs> Get your fucking finger out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I only literally only did mine there the other day, so uh, I'm one to talk, but. Another th- interesting thing you've mentioned there was the idea of incorporating it, of incorporating this idea of emotional well-being into the curriculum, because we're all very familiar with physical education, PE. Yeah, yeah. But is there, you know, emotional education or mental education? Or uh, what I, way would you? I think there's a new, there's been a new initiative at junior cert level, um, but like they're having, they're having teachers do it. They're having the already employed teachers do it, which is great. But like, I'm sure a lot of these teachers aren't basically adept when it comes to psychological training or emotional training because their subject is like you said it's PE or it's geography or it's history now I'm not trying to devalue every person's insight into the human condition you know everybody has it but unless it's your speciality or unless it's something you care about your idea somebody's idea of emotional well-being might be oh um, yeah sure uh, or sure just you know um, everything will be all right. Oh, uh, right. Open up your books. Page forty-five. History. <laughs> World War One. You know that's that's. Uh, I don't think that's. It, I don't think. I don't think it's a fair expectation to have on teachers to be able to, to be able to inform the students you know properly. So, I think that there's a case to be made for a specific teacher in each school, and that person being you know uh, psychologically trained, uh, psychotherape- psychotherapeutically trained. It's another word I'm making up for today, uh, and you know, so the the responsibility isn't on your typical subject teacher because it's just it's it's not a fair expectation. Like I have I have lots of friends now who are PE teachers, and um, they're great lads, but um, I, I'm not sure how comfortable they would be with that responsibility, and I think it's kind of unfair to ask them. Uh, and to my understanding, that's the infrastructure in uh, the infrastructure of the new initiative to have those teacher to have current teachers go to a training day or something which is a full day jesus yeah i know it's it's incredible isn't it <laughs> wow a day it, that's it's just not good enough but presumably the the way to do it would be this you wouldn't you wouldn't include it in the curriculum you'd include it in the requirements to become a teacher or, or that you would make it like, like let's say if if you want to be a history teacher, you have to be proficient in history. If you want to be a emotional well being teacher, you'd have to be proficient in emotional well being and have you know served your time and passed your exams and have have wanted to study for it in the first place, yeah. as opposed to it being just you know um, poured on, on on top of your your kind mm. of existing workload or what's the term? Um, what's the word when you? Put some imposed. There we go. As opposed, like you know, you would have volunteered for it as opposed to it being imposed on you. Yeah. Well, you you mentioned having a having a day of 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 practice or a day of teaching on an in service day or something. Uh, you know, it's it, that that is it's pretty imposing, and there's a large expectation for the teachers to be good at that. Then, what I would like to do is maybe 
not maybe not necessarily design a curriculum for the for the students but one for the teachers uh, where you get them to a position where they are able to reveal their emotional selves um, perhaps in an appropriate manner to their students talk about the normality of the whole thing to have all the teachers in the school talking about their emotional experiences and they're saying listen you know they're they're bridging that gap from teacher to student and making a, a more uh, human interaction as opposed to the sir or the miss in the corridor that you kind of hope doesn't see you kicking your mate up the hole um, you know but it's just someone that has an actual human brain as opposed to a robotic teaching brain um, yeah I, 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 I don't know what the best way forward with that is now maybe I'm, I, maybe I'm ill-informed and I'm doing the whole initiative of the service at junior cert level but um, I know I'd be maybe a little bit cynical and sceptical but that's my nature anyway is there a, a better model or a model? Is is there another country that deals with emotional well-being better than Ireland? Or are we particularly bad? Or are we just the same, do you think? Or, or no, do you know? Not not to my knowledge. Uh, as far as I can see it, 20 years ago, Ireland was in the dark ages when it came to emotional expression. And since in, in those 20 years, we've actually probably surpassed most people. And you do hear that from a lot of foreign exchange students who've been to Ireland or a lot of foreigners who, who do come to Ireland. They're like, wow. It's quite a, it's quite an expressive society, and you know you do see a, a, a significant amount of emotional well-being talk online um, and in the culture. So we've really we've really done very well. Um, but I don't think it's time for us to give ourselves a fucking pat on the back. There's a, there's an awful lot further we can go. And getting back to what you mentioned earlier, uh, Ireland can and I believe should be at the forefront of this. We've we've done it before when it when it came to gay marriage, when it came to like uh, smoking in public places, uh, plastic bags. Pla- we've, plastic. Done lo- we've done, we've done loads, loads of stuff, yeah. and I think now really we have the perfect opportunity to do it when it comes to our emotional selves to be fucking fourth forerunners in the in the internet uh, in the international sphere. Um, but remains to be seen whether we can accomplish that. And if we can, or if we're on that path, I'd like to think I'm a part of that. We'll see. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you, you just touched on exactly what I was going to say. Who is out there? Like, there, there's you, obviously. Mm. But, I mean, who worldwide is out there kind of screaming what you're screaming from the rooftops? Or is there anyone out I, there? Oh, jeez, of course. There's, listen, a lot well, of... Who's the best of them? Who's the lot, pick of them? Well, one of my largest inspirations is uh, Conor Cusack. He's a, he's a, an Irish guy. He's from County Cork. Uh, he He's an ex hurler for Cork I think but uh, he works a lot in the GAA and in areas of well-being um, I think he's a GAA well-being ambassador but uh, he speaks very articulately on the whole subject and I think it was in 2013 he came forward with 20, 2013 or 2014 that he came forward with his own story which he titled Depression is my friend not my enemy uh, which is absolutely fantastic and wherever you share this I'll probably be uh, commenting that underneath for people to, to look at uh, and it was his story that inspired me to share my own and the whole idea of emotional well-being was informed by him. So he's one guy. Cormac Ryan is another. He's he's a guy my age. Uh, I had him on the podcast there last week. Brilliant guy. He he does talks in schools and stuff, um, and speaks very articulately about his emotional experiences. You know there are there are others out there. Uh, a couple of people that spring to mind. You mentioned Brezzy earlier. Um, there's a guy as well from Cavan. Uh, another GAA dude called Alan O'Mara. Um, and he has a, he has a, a a real talks podcast which I. Uh, it wouldn't necessarily be from me, but listen, he's 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 doing he's doing good stuff. Uh, 
so yeah, there are there are just a few people that spring to mind. There are people out there, and then there's all there's all the people that came on my podcast. There's all the people that shared their own stories, uh, you know, and that have done really good stuff. Uh, it's funny we were talk. I was talking about how I don't want to do this uh, for financial reasons. Um, I, I know you know you're not necessarily doing your thing for financial reasons either. But if you got the finances, you'd be able to pursue it full time. Maybe have a better quality product and service out there. Um, but one thing that does kind of leave me a little bit despondent is the kind of the commodification of uh, of emotional well-being and people capitalising on Jesus there is a culture of uh, people speaking about their emotional well-being in Ireland I'm going to get myself a fucking speaking fee and uh, you know speak at events and make a load of money there's an industry in it yeah and uh, like I, I, do, I don't like that you know it, it really it really irks me like there, there are certain things which I feel are rights uh, and you know education health uh, are, are obviously I think are to rights that we have in Ireland um, and I think emo- emotional health and emotional well-being is another uh, to I don't know I don't know how how that would be said about you know maybe I'm a naive little fucking millennial, millennial gimp um, but I do think that uh, there should be significant funds and uh, um, investment in emotional well-being without 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 worrying about fucking profits or without worrying about uh, making it a professional business like you know um I, I'm not trying to sound like a commie gimp, but uh, I do think that emotional well-being and uh, the education about, uh, around such should be free and uh, shouldn't be influenced or encouraged by by money. Uh, but listen, I, I don't know, maybe I'm a bit naive there. No, no, not, not at all. But what you're saying is, again, to, to use my language, would be off the lead. Mm. Um, I think that... Money more often than not does far more harm than it does good. And if you're in something for financial reasons, you're not in it for the right reasons. Mm. Um, and that's why I've, I suppose, shied away from the idea of, you know, even the idea of getting a sponsor. I think if I was approached and was offered a wage to do this, provided I did it a certain way, I, I, I think I'd stay clear that I know I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd have no interest. Yeah. Um, because I think money, it just, I don't know, it's... it's it distorts your view of everything, and if you if you started with a cause and then you add money to it, you muddy the waters, and you know you you make your your message. I don't know. You you gear your message towards increasing your company's coffers, not yeah. putting your message out there. Yeah. And I think that if you're to initiate any real change, which is partly the the premise of of my platform. If you're to really initiate change, you do it from the ground up. You do it at an individual level, and I think your idea of getting people to to share their stories is is exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing that sickens me, I see it all the time, uh, predominantly on Facebook because that's the the social media network that I would be on the most, and it's where this podcast or platform of mine is is based. Purely because of of my age, I'm I'm old. All I do is Facebook. Um, I'd probably be still on Bebo if it was uh, going, but I so I see it more on Facebook than I see it anywhere else. I'll see a sponsored ad by usually the Times or the Independent, and they're selling you a mental health story. Now mm. it might be your mental health story, mm. and getting that out there is a good thing. But you're being uh, your like your your you face stories or your the, the stories that you are collecting and sharing they can be sold 
not not by you yeah. but by other people like the oh. likes of the Times and the the Independent and all these other nefarious organisations that I don't think people should be paying any attention to anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like listen, there's um, maybe 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 again maybe I'm naive, but I think that that's a little bit harsh against uh, a lot of the you know journalists who would have sincere and great integrity who m- maybe work for these organisations. You know. Um, Suppose we we should if if we if we are that well informed we should be following them specifically and if they write a great article for the independent you know then we we read it because they wrote it not because the independent published it um like there there is there is some seriously good well written valuable stuff from these organisations like I, I mentioned Cormac Ryan earlier I was introduced to him through an incredible interview that he had with. Uh, an independent journalist and I've, I've actually forgotten his name even though Cormac told me multiple times um, I'm sorry a, a journalist from the independent as opposed to an independent journalist yeah a journalist from the independent okay. who and who the independent provided the platform for the story to be shared you know some of these some of these uh, media organisations are institutions and Sometimes I, I, the, we might hold them in too high of, a, high of an esteem when it's really the, the talent that we should be holding in a high esteem like whoever the writer is um, but I do think there is there is a place for these organisations but I, I'm i not a fan of uh, what I said earlier the commodification of uh, emotional well-being or emotional well-being stories and I, I don't want uh, <laughs> listen I, I don't see it but I'm thankfully not on uh, Facebook that much um, I'd like to think I'm not anyway uh, like, I don't want to be sold stories based on me uh, having googled Cormac Ryan independent and you know the the cookies know that that's a story in which emotional well-being and emotional suffering comes up frequently so then fucking the independent have recourse to to that information and then they they push some some story on me you know I, I don't I don't want I don't want that to happen like but um I suppose that's 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 the infrastructure in which these organisations are exploiting, and they're they're playing that game. And I think it's up to us individuals to try and innovate and and do a, do something better. So to detract whatever audience they're attracting to those articles, and you know, bring them maybe to more to to different stuff that has maybe a greater integrity, uh, but a similar quality. Uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's hard to find a it's hard to find the right middle ground or to to get to hit that sweet spot. And in relation to kind of drawing it back to the individual, like what are the things that you've found can help people to either build up the courage to share their own story or to even to go there? Because I I know I know myself for years after what happened to me if the if that popped into my head if 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 that time popped into my head it was in my knee jerk response was like oh find something to do quick yeah. so like kind of way you just fucking run a million miles away yeah. from it so you have to i think share your story with yourself yeah before you can share it with anyone else so i suppose as a precursor to contacting you what can people do on an individual level to maybe take one step closer to either sending you an email or, well, or sharing their story with their, their mom or their best mate or whoever. I suppose my response to that would be too pronged in that uh, what helps, encur- what, I, what I find anyway encourages people to reveal their own emotional selves is hearing other people's stories, you know, so 
when they hear another person's story, they can find it very relatable. Um, and they might be, for instance, surprised. Like when when I came forward with my own story, uh, people were like, "Fucking hell, Pat! Jesus, you you had a really intense emotional experience in 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 secondary school. I I had no idea, and you know, I saw you every day. That's that's very enlightening, and that might inspire them to share their own story. I know it did with lots of people, and then those people who shared their own stories inspired others to share theirs, and there was somewhat of a snowballing effect. Um, so kind of leading by example uh, is, is a good way for in the community uh, to inspire others so with that in mind if you are inclined uh, you mentioned what happened to you I'll fucking turn the tables for a moment what did happen to you and what is it that you're referencing well I was suicidal so um, I had a plan and the whole lot like um, and came through that with the help of two mates of mine shout out to Chris Gleason and Joe Kelly pair of mad bastards um, so they would have helped me through it inadvertently I never told them anything about anything um, but they they liked me um, and they didn't know me so I, I met them I I was doing quite well professionally and the arse fell out of the economy in whatever it was 2008 slash yeah 2008 so in 2009 I lost my job and lost with it my sense of identity and sense of self and, and all the rest of it and became uh, massively depressed and took the first job that was going. Again, running away from uh, dealing with my having lost a sense of self. Instead of coming to terms with who I was, I needed another job now. So took the very first job that came along. It happened to be an aircom. I happened to be working alongside Chris and Joe. So they didn't know me from Adam. And they liked me. And I found that to be new um, in a weird sense. And they they really liked me. Uh, they thought I was cool. And that kind of gave me a bit of positive self-worth, I suppose. Um, so uh, Chris introduced me to mixed martial arts. So I'd been given a bit of a lift from the two lads. I was starting to train every other day taking it very seriously so my physical health would have improved in the job that I would have been in the previous number of years would have been spent you know working 50 odd hour weeks uh, on the road for 40 of those 50 hours so sitting in the car eating out of filling stations drinking you know coffee uh, the little plastic cups the whole lot just a, a terrible a terrible life basically I was have I had great there was great financial reward so I had loads of money but no time to spend it and nothing meaningful to spend it on. Um, so I climbed out of the hole as such, and then over the next couple of years, if that hole, if I if I ever thought about it for any length of time, I'd run away from it as fast as humanly possible because I just I didn't I didn't want to go there. I just wanted to distance myself from it. I kept saying, no, no, no that's that's in the past. <laughs> Leave that shit back there. Don't need to be fucking dragging that shit back up. I suffered long enough under those stresses. Fucking leave it be. Um, but then over time, I suppose it. I suppose you would have helped me in a big way. That the whole nothing to hide philosophy, like you would have been doing that whole thing, and uh, it made me, I suppose, at first tell myself what happened. Mm. Um. And then it was, you know, a year or two later that I told kind of anybody else and then ended up blurting it out in the podcast to Patter, I think, 
which was the first time I'd really made it, I suppose, public in a sense. Yeah. Um, sorry, did that even answer your question? Or? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, I, I, you, you had mentioned uh, what had happened to me, and I'd ask you what, what was it that happened to, happened to you? So, uh, by the sounds of things, the, uh, like I suppose I, 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 know, I have insight into it because uh, in case anybody's forgotten, I'm your brother. Um, so what happened to you was you, you lost your job, and that I suppose sent you on a on a downward spiral of kind of despair and on reflecting on your own self and uh, kind of hopelessness and wondering where, where was your identity in the first place and would you, if you did have one you know where were you going to uh, get it again in the future was that was that a- yeah well I just I just felt like a complete loser I felt like my um my worth was all built into the flash car and the high paying job and that that whole thing my identity was built into that and then the economy crumbled and my, I realised that the identity that I had built for myself was dependent on there being a, a thriving economy. Yeah, yeah. And once that went, I was left with nothing and I was on display for the world to see as a complete and utter fucking failure. Yeah, I think, I think um, I'm sure this, I hope this comes as no surprise to you that that's a very relatable experience to a lot of people. Uh, from who, who lived the professional life through those years, you know, that I, I feel like that, is a mirrored experience which which many people will share with you and when it, when you're coming back uh, to what you said what inspires people or how how do people share their story it's it's from hearing that and it's and it's from people going jesus i'm not the only one frano frano fucking experienced the exact same thing at the exact same time and uh he's able to articulate it now you know maybe i'm going to articulate my own story and um see if i can inspire somebody much like fran fran has inspired me um like that's your experience is, is is obviously distinct and it's your own, but at the same time there are themes which are relatable. Like um I through the recession, I was a teenager, I was sitting in school, so if nobody told me there were there was a recession, I probably wouldn't even notice other than you know, my brother, you know, losing his job and getting a new one. Like it wouldn't have bared any uh any impact on, on me, the recession itself necessarily. So but I have experienced, uh, you know, hopelessness and and despair and losing a sense of identity and, um, you know, not understanding my my place in my own life or in other people's or in the world. Uh, so, like, that is, you know, you're not weird or strange for having had that experience. You know, it's uh, it's quite normal normal reaction to stressful circumstances. Um, so, it's I think it's very important to be able to to share it in that manner. And I suppose I'm delighted you have now. And uh, I would you believe I still haven't listened to Patter's podcast, which I is on my to do. But it's funny, I have because I have nothing to do in 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 the in a typical sense. Like I'm not working a full time job. That means I have very little time to listen to podcasts. <laughs> I feel like listening to podcasts is something you can do when you're pretend your time uh, when you're pretend yeah or when you're pretending to work at, at a fucking nine to five job or something. You know, um, it's funny in a way listening to podcasts is a somewhat on the lead thing to do. I think because it, I feel like it's something you do when people think you're doing something else. You know, but when you're in full sight of other people, uh, it's hard to devote your time to listening to someone speak in your ear well I find it very passive so that's that's the way I would consume my mm. podcasting like, yeah like I would I could listen to I could listen to 40 odd hours of podcast a week 
Yeah, yeah. If, if I had 40 hours of quality podcasting to listen to. Yeah. Um, I definitely could. Easy. Mm. But, like, I listen to it while I'm running. I mm. listen to it while I'm in the van. I listen yeah. to it while I'm at my work. I'm, I'm lucky that my my work, 99% of it is, is essentially manual labor. It's, yeah. You know, you, you, I don't need to concentrate really it's all yeah. it's all very uh, mundane repetition really. yeah because i'm a fucking high maintenance nerd i need to be really engaged in what i'm doing uh so like for instance the way i listen to podcasts like i, I haven't really been listening to podcasts over the past few months but when i was working in, in my last job i was at a desk job and um of an eight hour day i'd actually i'd work too so for the remaining six hours, I just randomly click on a screen while being totally engaged in whatever it is was I was listening to, you know. So I I, uh, I struggle to listen to anything passively, uh, which is maybe to my own detriment when it comes to podcast consumption. Um, but yeah, I, I that's why I I, have, I suppose I haven't gotten around to to patterns and many other conversations I'd like to. Listen yeah. to you know. It, in fairness, patterns is four hours long. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly something you can just you know pop on mm. and be done with it. If anyone's curious as to what episode is patterns, it's blind boys. That's just on YouTube. That's just on YouTube. That's just a YouTube thing. Yeah, oh, okay. that was specific. That whole thing, that whole blind boy thing, was specifically for YouTube. That was to play, essentially, play a trick on YouTube's algorithms, and for people who've just gone what the fuck are these two boys talking about if you go onto my youtube channel so if you go into youtube and type in off the lead you'll find the little logo and you'll, you'll see all the episodes it's just the conversations that i've up i've yet to upload the solo podcast purely because of time constraints but if you scroll down five or six episodes back you'll see one of them i think is entitled the blind by episode and if for those who don't know who or what blind by is it's a guy who goes by the pseudonym Pseudonym, is that the right word? Pseudonym, yeah. Yeah, guy by go- who goes with the pseudonym Blind Boy Boat Club. And in podcasting terms in Ireland, he is podcasting in Ireland. He has, I think, probably as many listeners as the next 10 other podcasts combined. So bearing that in mind, I decided to create a clickbait ad to promote my show on YouTube. So I had recorded, I think, about the best part of 10 conversations and uploaded them to all the different podcast platforms but I was slow on the uptake of putting them onto YouTube and it wasn't until uh, Des Seeprasad, past guest and friend of the show basically said why aren't you on fucking YouTube there's like a billion people on it why isn't your stuff up there for them to listen to it wasn't until he said that that I saw the importance of the platform but one thing that he pointed me out to was if I was to upload all the podcast that i had recorded in one fell swoop onto youtube i would have created let's say 10 videos each one of them between two and four hours long anybody who's kind of following the off the lead thing will have already listened to them so you'll essentially be putting up a load of stuff that nobody's going to listen to and the youtube algorithms will recognize it as such and you'll never get your foot on that ladder basically Mm. So what I decided to do was to change the thumbnail, so change the picture to, instead of it being my actual guest, Patter, make it Blind Boy. Because, and then I tagged it as you know Blind Boy Podcast, Blind Boy Boat Club Podcast, The Rubber Bandits Podcast, anything that I could think of that would draw people towards it. Literally just a click on it. It was a clickbait marketing campaign. 
because the more people that just clicked on it for a second, even just to realise that it wasn't what it was, that would be a, a click, that that would be a, a view that was generated. The more views that were generated, the more likely my other uh, videos or conversations would have been promoted and I would have gotten that foot on the ladder. And to give you an idea of whether or not it worked, the first 10 conversations that I uploaded all in one fell swoop all have, I don't know, between 10, 20, 30, maybe 50 views. The ones that I uploaded as I recorded them, so while I had a presence on YouTube, have, you know, between 50 and 100 views. That's there, thereabouts, the ballpark. But the Blind by episode, I think, is 4,000 views. Yeah, yeah. So does clickbait work? You fucking better believe it works. Yeah, yeah. So that was me using something that I... You'll often hear me giving out about clickbait, but as very much as a means to an end. So mm. that's what that whole thing was. Yeah. If that big long winded rant made any sense. No, oh, it <laughs> ma- makes sense to me. Obviously, I, I know the spiel as well. But uh, it's funny, be interesting to see what you think about this now. Um, I getting back to the whole idea of mental health and emotional well being. I've I've written an essay about. Uh, why I think the emotional well-being phrases and the phrases I've been using throughout the whole podcast are more appropriate and more useful compared to the more clinical things like mental health and uh, depression, uh, generalised anxiety, all that kind of stuff. Uh, why, why the phrases I've been using are more useful. And I could title it Why the Conversation Around Our Emotional Selves Need to Evolve and be very representative of what my article is about and honest and will be full of integrity or I could title it Why Mental Health Promotion is Useless and that would be quite a clickbaity article. It's relatively representative of the content to follow but it certainly lacks the integrity of the first title. Now I think it's quite obvious which will get more clicks um, but it's also obvious which has less integrity and you know I want my I want my ideas to spread far and wide but I also don't want to do something very on the lead and uh, make a fucking bullshit clickbait title. Um, so I'm such is my dilemma. You know, I've yet to share the article. Uh, I'll, I'll probably share it either maybe just before this pub- podcast is published. So the answer will probably have been figured out by then. But you know, what do you do? You know, you want to act with integrity, but you want your content to to reach as many people as possible. Well, uh, my advice there is act with integrity always. Yeah, I I think what I did was different because of because of YouTube's algorithms. That was very much a, a once-off thing. Ah, you big liar! How do you mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I I could I could justify my idea that way as well. Like, oh, it's because of Facebook's algorithms. That, you know, Facebook work off outrage. All these platforms work off outrage. All of them work on bullshit. Yeah, but I I didn't do it to evoke outrage. You did it to evoke clicks and that would be why I would do why I would mistitle mine yeah, but th- that was just to get a foot on a ladder that was a, a that was a once off I've, I've no intention of repeating that okay I, okay. I could have I could have done it to all the, the conversations that I've had yeah. I haven't used any clickbait whatsoever since yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not ruling out using it in future um, but that as it stands is very much so an isolated incident and with good reason and it was exceptionally effective mm. as far as I'm concerned yeah now does this threaten my credibility yeah and good because you shouldn't view me as that credible you should be making up your own fucking mind yeah and that's the whole point of these conversations yeah, yeah. that I've been having yeah so I like I, I suppose 
um, I don't mean this as a as a jibe, Brenton. I could use that same excuse for titling that that article or that essay. You know, why mental health promotion is useless. Uh, like that obviously doesn't convey the message I want to convey. You know, I want people to talk about our emotional selves, um, but just not use that phrase. Uh, like, but, but no, I, I, I don't think it, I don't think it's comparable though, because what I did was in order to have a, a starting point on the YouTube ladder. What I could say, why? I know I actually I literally might do this, and um, so I could say, well, I want people to see my article and maybe be curious about what will follow you know what you know the same thing you know this is my foray into article writing uh, or opinion piece writing so this will maybe grab people's attention and rank me higher in algorithms because it was viewed more times than it would have been if i had titled it but th- this isn't just algorithms generally this is a very specific very unique to youtube thing I don't think it is though. That's I think the the type of algorithms that you know your that YouTube are using are almost interchangeable with the ones that pretty much every social media platform uses that Facebook use. You know, um, like Facebook will rank you higher based on how many clicks your your podcasts are getting, or how many likes your pictures are getting, or how many shares or comments are getting. You know, um, which is the same as a click on YouTube. You know, it's it's a uh, does that does that make sense? Like the, the, these these algorithms, this environment isn't specific to YouTube. It's kind of it's representative of uh, sharing platforms online as a whole. But again, what what I did was a first step. So if you were set, if I was to set up a Facebook page from the start, mm. I might use some sort of a clickbaity thing. As yeah, the initial, yeah, yeah. Now I get you. Yeah, as the initial. Whereas I've I've been step. on Facebook for years now. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I've been on Facebook. Yeah, I've been on Facebook not for for years with this platform, but I've been on it a while. So I I didn't. That's why I didn't share it via Facebook. It mm. was strictly a YouTube thing, and strictly because day one on YouTube was the day I posted that oh so you that a- thing. you actually didn't share that episode on Facebook you just just promoted it on YouTube did you not promote no, it on I Facebook did, I did promote it on Facebook but I promoted a YouTube link on Facebook so again I was promoting the YouTube channel on Facebook if right. that makes sense it, I wasn't promoting the Facebook thing I was I could have I could just as easily have used newspapers to promote the, the YouTube article as opposed to Facebook if that okay. makes sense okay okay I don't know though, because when when that YouTube link you're sharing on Facebook obviously has the same like has the blind buy thing in there, and yeah. more people are going to be clicking on it because it says blind buy too, you know. Yeah, but that that happened by default. But my Facebook page probably would have gotten a boost in views or clicks or likes or shares or whatever on the back of that. But that was, um, you know, whatever the the opposite of collateral damage is. Right. Like in a way, that was just a. That was just uh, it wasn't intentional. If if I did get any kind of publicity for the Facebook page because of that, it was inadvertent. That mm. was purely to promote the the YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. as a as a first as a first step, basically. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll um maybe I'll upload the same article with two different headlines and see which which one gets more clicks. <laughs> yeah, and write a follow up article on how the one with the clickbaity title got way more clicks than the other one did. Yeah, yeah, I. Maybe I don't know how much interest that would be, how much value or interest that would be to people. We'll see. I'd be fascinated by something like that. Mm. I'd love to know the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Because I, another thing that 
I suppose I, I kind of semi-justified the whole blind bike clickbaity story. If you go on to YouTube and type in off the lead, you'll find my videos. Scroll down, you'll find the picture of your man with the bag over his head, entitled The Blind Boy Episode. And listen to the first two or three minutes of it. Because I put in a spiel at the start of it to encourage people to actually listen to the episode. Because again, due to YouTube's algorithms, a click or a view wasn't good enough. Because if you just click play on a four hour long thing and then realise that it's not what you wanted it to be, you'll jump out after like 10 seconds. And that won't last as a view on that video. So I put in like a two minute, probably not even that long, it's probably only 20 seconds long, statement basically saying that Blind Boy had gotten the podcast banned and due to anti-clickbait legislation, I couldn't tell you why. You had to listen to the whole thing basically. And again, pure clickbait. Nothing was banned, nothing was anything. But that was to hook people in mm. and essentially con people mm. to uh, listen to that episode yeah. and to promote off the lead yeah, yeah. as a first step on YouTube. Yeah. You're smirking away there as if to say I'm the fucking devil or something. Controversial. <laughs> it yeah. is controversial. Absolutely yeah, controversial. Like, to think that somebody, you know, thought that that had any sort of truth value to it. It leaves me in a state of dismay. But you see, this is what you might be missing. I got right. messages to beat the band yeah. from intelligent friends of mine yeah. Yeah. saying, what's the story with Blind Boy? You got banned? What happened? Lads. And these are people who listen to me say the words, due to anti-clickbait legislation, I yeah. can't publish yeah. the episode. They swallowed it, hook, line and sinker. And it's not because they're stupid. A lot of the guys who like, contacted me were far smarter than I am. Mm. But what they don't get is what clickbait is. Yeah, they they don't understand it, yeah. and a lot of people even now listening don't know what the fuck. But we're they talking heard about. they heard somebody say on the internet that due to anti clickbait legislation, so it must be true if they've heard it on the internet. Yeah, well, I I ran the idea of what I was going to do by several people, and more often than not, if not exclusively, the answer that people gave me for why I shouldn't do it was, you you can't do that, Frano, mm. and I'd say. Why? You just, you just, you just can't. You, you won't get away with it. Yeah. Who's going to fucking stop me? Oh well, like the, the is the, the the regulator. Yeah. What yeah. fucking regulator? Yeah. You can put any amount of bullshit online, yeah. and of course, yeah, reap yeah. the benefits. Yeah, but sure. Like, I think it's funny when when you give a couple of simple examples, like for instance. When Brennan said, today's bread, today, that doesn't mean that the fucking Brennan's bread you're buying off the shelf was actually baked today. That's just their fucking logo. Like, they're yeah, just, it's their slogan. It's their, it's their slogan, and that's true of everything. You know, People should be sceptical of everything they hear, and you know, maybe maybe you doing that bullshit clickbait uh, helped people realise that, or they just got confused and clicked on the next video. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. yeah. yeah but look, it was just something that I tried. I don't regret it. I was fucking filled with more anxiety and paranoia and regret in the week or two after it than I care to fucking admit to. But I haven't taken it down and don't intend to. Yeah, did you sh- you're you're a massive fan of Blind Boy. Did you share it with him? How do you mean share it with him? He's did not you- on t- YouTube. He's, and no, he's I never, on Twitter and I never no. But again, that just that's indicative of my age. I'm not au fait, is that the right word? Au fait. I don't know if that's a word, but I know what you're saying. We'll use it as a word for now. Yeah. Uh, I'm not au fait with tagging people <laughs> in stuff. 
Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. Like, and, and linking people to stuff like, Jesus, I struggle with the internet. And I'm, you know, more fluent than most. Ah, uh, you're just trying to be cool by pretending to be old, though, as well. I'm not, though, because, like, when I try... Put it this way. When I send somebody a message on something like Facebook Messenger, which I use all the time to uh, speak with guests, I have to write it in my Keep app yeah. and then copy it and put it in because I can't figure out how to space down without it creating a hundred messages. Yeah, well, that's because Facebook Messenger is shit. Well, maybe that's what it is. It's certainly not me <laughs> trying to be cool, letting on that I'm not as proficient with the internet as I'd like to be. Yeah, ah, uh, I t- well, I know I disagree with you there. I think I think there's a an element of of your of maybe of your character. Uh, now, obviously, this is open for condemnation, but uh, of uh, oh fucking Twitter, I'm. I was born in the 80s. How the fuck am I supposed to understand that? Like, you understand it plenty I, fine. I, I, I embellish that, but that's not all fake. Like, okay. I, I genuinely wouldn't know how to tag somebody. Yeah, I suppose you you you, embe- you embellish it. That's the right way. Like, you genuinely don't know how to tag somebody, but you've accepted that fate as opposed to finding it out, which you're well capable of doing. True. Do you know? Yeah. So I think you you, de- you devalue your... Your... your uh, what's the word? Your ability to understand these things like although you don't get it give yourself two seconds of trying to do it and you'll do it no no whereas no, you've just you know, I'm old fuck it no 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 granted absolutely I, I couldn't agree yeah, to yeah. more um, but having said that between uh, recording the audio recording the intro before the audio and after the audio before converting that into a video before um configuring the thumbnail and then the picture that's going to be behind the video mm. uploading it which with my internet connection takes about 16 years yeah uh, this sharing podcast it, was recorded writing everything 20, just the fucking whole thing on top of the 70 hour work week on top of herself would have been heavily pregnant at the mm. time on top of everything else you know if I knew how to tag him in that moment I would have tagged him but I yeah. didn't and I just didn't you know once I didn't tag him, I went off and did the next thing that I know how to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think? Uh, have <laughs> this might be a loaded question. I, I don't mean it to come across as a, as a jibe or as an offensive Go comment, but um, I'm sure you're familiar with the idea of a busy fool. Yes, I've spoken about. Okay, and I am the definition of a busy fool. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, like for instance, um, you know, you could. Uh, configure your audio and your your video in a particular way which was the first way you did it and it takes you five hours or you could do an hour of research and a better way to do it and then it only takes you half an hour and then it takes you half an hour from that point forward do you know what i mean oh lad i I literally have a solo episode devoted to exactly that oh well well, there you go like because there are there are there are different like podcast services for instance that will share your podcast on every platform with one click Oh you yeah, know, no, that, that's what with, I use with the thumbnail. Okay, good stuff. Um, like even even YouTube, like so you wouldn't even have to upload to YouTube uh, separately, for instance. Like there are there are different services which which do that, and uh, like I don't know. I think we're all busy fools uh, to some degree. Like for instance, when I was doing my own podcast, I was spending a load of time on trying to get the waveform correct. Which listen, basically, I was trying to get the volume. Uh, correct throughout the whole thing yeah, yeah. and I was spending about you know five hours doing it yesterday I found out that there's a button that does that yeah there's a button equalisation button no no uh, c- compre- compression button right, it's okay. compression it's called so like 
we're all busy fools and I suffer from it and I think it's inevitably you've talked about it on a, on a solo podcast you're going to suffer from it as well so because you, you're you're busy oh, I don't have time to figure that out I'm, I'm on to the next thing you know you can actually increase your workload where whereas if you spent maybe some time in sort of kind of like the research and development thing you might reduce your workload um you're you've you've you're well abreast of business tendencies. You know how the you know the most successful and efficient businesses run with a, a an hour or two hour long meeting every Sunday or some every week. You know where they review what they did that week and how they could improve upon different processes the next week. When was the last time you had a meeting for your podcast? Even if that meeting was just with yourself. Never mind my podcast, my fucking business, my bread and butter, my livelihood, the thing I spend seventy hours a week at. Yeah, like I know. spend seventy hours a week working on my business. And I won't spend half an hour sitting down figuring out how I can reduce that by probably, if I wanted to, 20 hours a week. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because we get addicted to our little routines. Yeah. You know, the kind of way yeah. of flying around and doing bits. And yeah, yeah. Like by now, with the benefit of hindsight, I could have completely stepped back from this business and, like, my, my, my actual, my own business, not this, this platform, I could completely have stepped back from that business and have people working in it for me. Mm, yeah. 100%. And yeah. I could be doing off the lead full-time yeah. as a passion project yeah. pulling a wage from my business yeah. there's absolutely no reason in the world not only that I could do that but that I couldn't have done that already mm, indeed given given a bit of bit of time and actual uh, work yeah. but I'm it's it's. I think I've, I phrased it in the solo episode as being intellectually lazy yeah like, physically uh, busy and intellectually lazy yeah that, that's that's a good way of putting it like, but again I, I, I think we we all we we have a tendency to be to be harsh on ourselves. Like it's okay to be you know uh, physically busy and intellectually lazy at times. But I suppose the uh, what's not okay is I suppose being able to recognise that and then moving forward as if you haven't recognised it. So it's brilliant now that you've recognised it and now you have I suppose something actionable. Now the fact that you've you've expressed it outwardly. Uh, not only to me but to your listeners but now I suppose there are, you have a responsibility to yourself to, to 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 be more efficient not only in the podcasting sphere but in the business sphere uh, so you can devote more time to your podcast and devote more time to to yourself which might be in the in the form of practicing mixed martial arts or uh, spending you know more time at home or with your family or, or discovering a new passion project or something you know um because it's i think although you're 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 a very busy man um it's it's not necessarily a, a a fulfilling way of life and it's not necessarily the like it's it's not it's not that you love being busy it's just you're in, you're in the habit of being busy and you don't deserve to be busy you know um but the contributing factor in that busyness is yourself and ultimately it takes you to have that meeting with yourself and um reduce reduce your workload and flourish more <laughs> like a butterfly the first step in rectifying a problem is acknowledging that you have one. <laughs> nice. Wow. Are you that guy that writes the calendar letters for every day? Yeah. No, but, no listen, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's only, it is genuinely only recently that I've kind of realised how much of a, it kills me to say it, fucking lazy fuck uh, I am and can be yeah. um, disguised as, you know, 
a busy person. Yeah, but now, listen, it, that, that's that's all right. Like you're 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 allowed to be a fucking a lazy fuck, especially when you're not realizing. realizing you know, lazy fuck. It's that that's a harsh representation of of how you've been. You're not a lazy fuck. I understand where you're coming from, but you know, don't don't kill yourself for it. Don't be masochistic and go, oh yeah, I'm such a lazy fuck. Oh, Frano, you're a bad boy. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> You can, you can, and you say, yeah, you know what? There's, there's more things I could have been doing, and there's more efficient ways to approach my business and my life. And now it's time to consider those things, and you know, go at it. Don't be fucking killing yourself, and you know, hating know, yourself I'm, for I'm, it. You know, I'm, I'm not because, like, I'm as as unproductive as I can be. I'm more productive, I'd say, than anyone you know. I oh, yeah, right, right, and possibly anyone that you'll fucking ever know. Jesus. Like and t- today, being pretty much a typical day, up since four, have recorded and uploaded two solo podcasts, got the little man up, gave herself breakfast and bread, brought her, him off to crash, went in, collected you, came out here, and here we are. It's fucking, what time? Five to twelve. Yeah. Actually, is it five to twelve or five to eleven? I can't see. I don't know if the time has changed, but like, look, it's fucking, it's be- well before lunchtime. Mm. Yeah, So. Yeah. You know, I'm. I've no intention of beating myself up over being lazy. Yeah, and my yeah. day hasn't started yet. Yeah, you, yeah, I'll drop you home. I'll head out to my business. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and do you know a day's work, and then I'll come home and I'll tend to himself and herself. And there's a lot going on with the new baby. Her dad being, you know, terminally ill. You know, he's a day yeah. or two left. All that's going on at the same time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm. I'm I've no intention of beating myself up. Yeah. Too and badly. Do you think? Um this whole four o'clock business is taking its toll on you uh, it is but you see it's at the, a lot of people seem to be very worried about me at the minute but that's because I'm in a kind of transitional period I'm one step behind stepping away from my business and replacing myself in my business so the the workload that I have at the minute is a means to an end what I'm doing burning the candle at both ends and in the middle for good measure isn't sustainable I get that but it's not sustainable in the same sense that when I was working 90 hour weeks when I started the business that wasn't sustainable and I knew that at the time as well but it got my fucking business out of the ground Mm. and I didn't sustain it because it was impossible to sustain there was a couple of times I literally worked clean through the night and just went without sleep for for that day or night whatever you want to call it mm. and then just ploughed on so I would have gotten up at the time maybe at 7 o'clock in the morning worked all day worked all night throughout the night and then worked all the next day and then would have gotten you know 6 or 7 hours sleep the next day mm. and that would have happened you know 3 or 4 times in the month Yeah. now you do that long enough and you'll either go insane or you'll you know fall asleep behind the wheel or yeah. you know you'll have a big bag of compost land in your head or you'll electrocute yourself wiring mm. up lights or you you'll you know something will something will will stop that for you. Yeah. Well you uh, like you you loved your business. <laughs> you you I I, I use the past participant there for, for good reason. Um you loved pea shoots and you know if there was a, a long time where pea shoots was all you could talk about and it was pea shoots this and pea shoots that and you're a pea shoot crazy mm. um, and you're a microgreen crazy uh, I'm sure no one's under any illusions as to what you make your money at um, and now I suppose that the love has kind of been transferred over maybe more 
more to podcasting and has that left you disillusioned with your business like do you, do you actually hate your business now like? I did for a while um, not now have um, you forgotten how much you loved it no but you see it's it's, it's not that I loved it I, I'm an obsessive person I I latch on to things and they become everything so a normal person typically you know gives martial arts a go you know, they, they go down and they, they train for a while. No, 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 no. I had to do it for five years, four or five times a week and compete at as high a level as I could compete. Um, you know, some people enjoy going fishing. They like going out and, you know, casting a line. No, 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 no. I had to camp out at the lake for three days hunting carp, the most elusive fish in the world, um, and not catch anything for weekends after weekends. You know, so you know played hurling uh for years never missed a training session was captain of the team represented my county you know played with rugby had trials with leinster um everything that i've done everything that i i tend to throw my hat at i tend to kind of obsess over it and go at it full tilt until i suppose the love runs out of it and that's happened with the business to a degree and you know is there a a, a perhaps a way you can change your approach so to reduce your intensity at the beginning so that you don't lose that love you know like um you know can you can you fall back in love with entrepreneurship in that regard oh, i'm still in love with entrepreneurship so sorry that's uh, that was a bad a bad way of phrasing it can you can you fall back in love with what you were once obsessed with um by maybe taking a, a new a new approach or rediscovering the things that you know made you care about it in the first place i love starting stuff so I feel like I've started that business. It's now time to hand that business to someone. What about uh, like the idea of right? You love starting stuff. That's great. it's savage that you understand that about yourself. Obviously, it's unreal. Um, but how about rather than real thinking? Oh, I have to hand this over to someone now because I've started it. You say I've started the business. Now I'm going to start handing it over to someone. You know, so it's a, you have a new start. You're you're giving yourself well, new I'm, starts all the time. I'm kind of in the middle of doing that at the minute. Like I'm trying to set things up now because I took on a big customer there at the start of the year, uh, Keelings. So Keelings were or have been about a thirty percent increase in in my business. Um, that's due to increase month by month, which it has been doing since the start of the year, which is great. So now the business is actually turning enough that I could employ a full-time person and now that I can f- a- employ a full-time person that means that instead of me working in a full-time and having a part-timer I would employ a full-time person and I would become the part-timer yeah so I'm in that transitional period okay so that's going to take another another couple of months truth being told because I haven't been putting in the effort in particular over the last two months or so with the baby and you know whatever else so in another couple of months i'll have hopefully found someone to basically take over and run Mm. my my business and then it will be flat out starting something new yeah which is this This. yeah this is the the new obsession is there is there something a preventative uh, preventative tactic that you can employ in the present moment so that you don't find yourself in a year's time saying podcasting fucking shit yeah there is and I've I've kind of built that into the structure of what this whole off the lead thing is and will become I want this movement for want of a better term to 
transcend me. Like I want it to grow legs and fuck off and do its own thing. And I want to have been the guy who started it. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't want sure. to be the the leader of the off the lead thing. I mm. want that to have been something that I started and that it grew legs and fucked off and did great things all of its own like accord nearly. Fucking Tim Bernard Lee in the internet or something. Sorry? Like was it is your man name is your man's name Tim Bernard Lee? Who's he now? The guy who invented the internet. And exactly, you don't even well, know. Yeah, so you don't was, even yeah, know who he is. Like, yeah, well, there you go, and that like that would suit me fine. Uh, and uh, you, you're maybe not the best planner. Have you a business plan, or have you something like that for off the lead? Have you, uh, you know, a, a three year projection or something for where it will be? And have you made action towards that? Interestingly enough, no. Um, I say interestingly enough because I have a big giant bee in my big giant bonnet for people who I would call useless creative cunts. I would see the likes of Mr. Bow Club as being a useless creative cunt. And what I mean by that is I'd love to ask him what his percentage increase in patrons will be for the third quarter of this year. I'd love to ask him that because I know without having him here to ask that he wouldn't have a fucking clue what I was talking about really or that he would know exactly what I was talking about and that he isn't, you know, business minded because creative people don't tend to be. So I tend to blur that line or at least I try and blur that line. I try and be creative but have that kind of business acumen because I find one without the other kind of redundant. If you're all business and you've no ideas you'll just end up running a Starbucks or a McDonald's or, you know, something something similar. If you're really creative, you'll come up with a fucking brilliant idea and that's all it'll ever be, a brilliant idea. So at the minute I'm embellishing my creativity by letting this whole off-the-lead thing just kind of find its feet and see where it goes without a structure, say. But rest assured, I absolutely will have a, a structure in place. Again, when there's more when things have settled down maybe and I've replaced myself in the business and I have more time to to think and to gather my thoughts and to, to organise and to, to plan I suppose so for the third quarter of 2018 what's your projected increase in patrons? oh I don't have one <laughs> oh yeah but I don't have fucking 100 million people listening to me every month and yeah. I like he uploads what is it an hour a week yeah. whoop the fucking do Mr Blind Boy do you know the kind of way but that's that's typical of a creative person he probably thinks he works his bollocks off doing that yeah but he's making sweet sweet love to the equalisation of it and he's editing it down and he's making it sound lovely and warm and he's putting the background music in that's that's does time not, that's time not, consuming does he not record that in one fell swoop no no absolutely not it fucking sounds like he does you're not listening hard enough <laughs> I've heard the odd jump here and there from where he stops it in that but like yeah. Jesus nah. Christ he, I'd be very unimpressed if he was putting a lot of work into that He's he, uh, 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 maybe not a lot but he's putting more work maybe than I think you might imagine so he's he's getting the equalisation right which he probably might have set to a particular point so he has pre-adjusted settings but uh, he's editing it down and no he's uh, he's an audiophile as well though so he's into all that th- but that's what I'm saying yeah so it's it's not it's not as simple as him recording an hour so he's making it good for audiophiles you know yeah I don't think audiophiles are listening to him en masse though I don't think there are 80,000 people in Ireland there, who are audiophiles there, there aren't 
but there are people who are enjoying his, the audio quality of his podcast and who are enjoying the warmth uh, of, oh, this, of his, the production. His, his, his podcast hug, but look, I have no intention of giving people a podcast hug. Again, something that I've said in the podcast recently is Blind Boy has his podcast hug. My podcast are a podcast kick up the hole. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was pretty funny. Sorry? I saw that. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so I would be of the same persuasion as someone like Jordan Peterson who... Oh! Oh! Sorry for everybody at home. That's me sighing at the name Jordan Peterson. Apologies. Anyway, I didn't know you felt so strongly in relation to Mr. Peterson. <sighs> He's just annoying. But anyway, continue on your... I will, but we'll get back to that, <laughs> no doubt. Um, he basically makes the point that the quality, like the audio quality and the, the fidelity and, and all that jazz is essentially meaningless. Once the content is good enough, no, none of that shit matters. He's wrong. He's just he's wrong with his fucking 250 million subscribers. Put it this way. He's 100 grand a month on yeah, Patreon. Yeah, absolutely. But he'd have, you know... Twice as many subscribers and twice as many patrons if he wasn't so silly. Would he, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, f- for What's instance... Your beef? No, forget about that. What's your fucking problem with Jordan Peterson? Before I, I get to my problem with Jordan Peterson, uh, for instance, he had, uh, like, a savage a savage talk with a professor at uh, UT Austin where I studied for a year. Um, Height? Uh, no, no, no uh, Pennebacher, James W. Pennebacher, um, on, his, on his podcast, and... I really wanted to listen to it. I uh, really wanted to listen to Pennebacher and him talk about what they were talking about because they Pennebacher has some very uh, interesting research done on expressive writing, which is something that I'm very interested in. And I actually couldn't listen to it because right, it, well, it was that bad. Let, let me cut across you there. That's not, that's not due to him... That was a bad audio recording. I haven't listened to it, but the one like I was really excited about him and Jonathan Height. Really excited about, it. and I've tried to listen to it several times. But the fucking it's inaudible. See, that's that's what I mean. The, yeah, but, but the but the content is probably there's fantastic. A, there's, a, there's a difference between something that's inaudible and something that you know isn't refined. Yeah, yeah. Like my my podcast isn't refined, but it's it's certainly audible. Yeah, but as that, is mine. That Pennebacker thing, it wasn't. No, no, audible. That, that's unforgivable. That's and, fucking nonsensical. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. That's that's no, the point no, no, I was no, sorry. I don't, I don't mean that at all. I, I'd have I'd have no tolerance for that whatsoever. Sam Harris skirts that line with his uh, podcast. Now again, he's a hundred million people listening to him every five minutes or whatever it is. <laughs> but when. Uh, when you when you're struggling to fucking hear the conversation, yeah. it's flat out not fucking good enough. Yeah, yeah. But so long as you can hear it, everything else is is irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. Okay, no, not I, irrelevant, but yeah. you know, for the most part. Yeah, uh, like I, I suppose maybe your definition of being able to hear it is maybe a bit different to mine. Like you know, I could have strained my ears and turned it up full volume. I'm sure to kind of figure out what they were saying, but like yeah, but you can't be kind of figuring out what they're yeah. saying. You have to be able to fucking hear it. Yeah, yeah, so that's a that's there's a difference between you know audio quality that isn't brilliant and something that's inaudible. Well, you've you've I think you know he Pearson has a responsibility to his patrons to produce quality that's good like he 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 sh- if he isn't maybe he is but if he isn't he should be employing a sound engineer part-time to make his stuff you know good you know because yeah, he, ha- he no, has I'd, he I'd, has that money like. I'd, I'd be inclined to agree but his videos had you know hundreds and thousands if not indeed millions of views before he was getting a penny on patreon yeah yeah so yeah. he was just chucking them up as an aside and yeah you know that there was no production quality yeah he definitely did i i 
considering he turned me off, he undoubtedly turned other people off as well because it was just so bad, like kind of the, the dodgy webcam video and the dodgy webcam audio. Um, listen, the content, I'm, I, you know, on, on a lot of the videos of his that I watched was, was good stuff, uh, but the quality was... As far as far as I as far as I'm concerned, was was unacceptable. Like I I I'm not I wouldn't be pretentious enough to call myself an audiophile, but I like I like good audio and I like good video production, and I'm willing to accept relatively shoddy stuff. But that was just too shoddy. Yeah, but that was an isolated example. I mean, the, you, you're speaking as though all his stuff is like no 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 absolutely not no but i was just talking in, in contrast to what he said about it's just all it, all it's acquired is, is for it to be audible so for if someone was coming to start out and they heard that i wouldn't want to think oh sure jordan peterson started like this i can start like this too no no not not, not at all not at all i think i think what his point was and it wasn't pertaining to a, a bad audio recording by, by any stretch of the imagination but I think what he was referring to was that people are actually very sceptical of things that are highly produced these days, especially on YouTube. So if you can keep it kind of simple and basic, people are more inclined to engage with you. Yeah. If it's all... Like, if, if this podcast had started with... Um, Today on the Off The Lead Podcast, yeah. I interview Pat McKeown. Pat yeah. McKeown is my younger brother. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. If it was all that and, you know cue to music and all the rest yeah, of it. I know, Not yeah. that that's intrinsically bad, but, yeah. you know, Rough and Ready is more synonymous with honesty than, you know, high level of production. Yeah, yeah. I know, I, I agree with that, but that seems to be a separate point to the original one you were making, though. Which was what, sorry? Which was that the the quality is unimportant once the content is good. I don't think so. No, when I say the quality is good, I mean you have to be able to fucking see it and hear it. Mm. Once that's okay, the, like that that's a that's a that's a that's a minimum. That's just mm. an entry level requirement. Yeah. Anything less than that isn't worth discussing because yeah. if you can't hear it or see it, you may as well not have fucking made it. Yeah, yeah. So so long as you're so long as what you're doing is you know visible and audible. Yeah. If everything else is irrelevant, it's all yeah. down to content. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. I, I get you. I get you. How does blind boy who does himself consider himself an audiophile how does he reconcile that with sucking on that fucking robot dick of his oh yeah his fucking vape pen how does he fucking justify that it drives me nuts oh like I don't know you know I'm not like I I've actually found myself being more kind of unimpressed as the episodes have come out with blind boy uh, because He's kind of he's repeating himself so much. Like for instance, he might talk for three minutes or four minutes about how how he wants people to go on and support him on Patreon. But how if they don't they don't want if they don't want it they don't have to. And you know, so that'll take four minutes, and then he'll spend another four minutes saying, "Oh God, I've been talking about really weird stuff." You know, to get to get more context, you should really should go back to the first episode. And like he's just he said he said that every episode. I'm like, oh, skip, 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 trying to skip. You know, in thirty second increments the shit he's talking to get to the actual content and then he's he might fucking you know uh suck on his vape and that doesn't that doesn't actually upset me too much but then uh he'll talk about how the how the podcast doesn't have any sponsors for two minutes and then he'll talk about his ocarina pause for another two minutes and like when you add it all up you're 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 going oh jesus christ like when are you actually going to talk about stuff you know as opposed to bullshit which you've said every single week so that's been upsetting me 
but then again, I have a, a low tolerance for that kind of thing. It's, um, fu- it's funny you say that because a couple of people have said to me recently, they've asked me, you know, what do you think of Blind Boy's latest one, or Blind Boy's last couple? And I'm in a bit of a weird position because anything that I say critical of another podcaster, there's an element of like, oh yeah, look, you see Frano, he is a podcast for five minutes and now he's fucking saying that your man Blind Boy's is shit. Mm. So there's been an element of that and there's also been an element of my own mood. So, and I'm, that's, that, that's what I'm just going to throw back on you. Blind Boy's been annoying you by doing these little different things. Is that as much a reflection of your mood while you're listening to him? Or your oh. current frame of mind? Oh. Or is it all down to him? Not all, but you know what I mean, for the most part. No, because when when I'm, when I'm let's say, consuming his podcast, like... Uh, I'm I'm brought to a, a kind of a baseline, let's say. So it, it I don't think it's reflect reflective on my mood. I, I, I understand what you're where you're coming from, but I don't think it applies here. Um like there are times obviously on a day to day where I'll feel more or less cynical and I'll be more willing to listen to something as opposed to less willing to listen to something. But when I'm listening to Blind Boy, there's a you know, I, I suppose I, I I get maybe even a little bit excited that I'm waiting and then there's a few minutes spent on that kind of stuff, and just it does frustrate me. So, no, I think it's it's reflective on his podcasting, his content, as opposed to you know my mood. But that that certainly does. That's a part of the picture, but it's a small part of the picture. The majority of which is taken up by Blind by himself, if that makes sense. Yeah. No. No. Of course. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who else are you listening to? Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm barely not. I'm barely listening to podcasts, to be honest. Sorry, because you know? I'm after reminding myself of something else. There, I asked you earlier on. Oh no, maybe we did get through that. I asked you who was kind of in the world because there was Alice. I did, yeah. There was Alice, yeah. You did go through. I that. did go well, through that. Right. Yeah, just yeah. wanted to make sure. that no, you there, did get that. there are more people out there that I'm probably doing a disservice by not mentioning. Um, you know, if I, I'd love if people looked up uh, Connor Cusack. Conor Cusick is a fantastic guy. I love if people looked up Cormac Ryan. Cormac Ryan has that article with the Independent that we were talking about. And uh, his podcast guys, with me. Those two guys that you just mentioned are, are they prolific enough that somebody can just Google their names and and find their stuff? Or Conor Cusack absolutely is. Cormac Ryan, I think might be. You might need Cormac Ryan Independent or something. The name, the title of his article with the Independent is "Anguish Banished by the Fortitude of Hurling's Family." It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's 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 very good stuff. Um. And yeah, like I, I've been listening to Blind Boy, I've been listening to yourself, uh, and I've been kind of, I've been editing and editing my own podcast and stuff as well. I've always been a, a big fan of of Sam Harris. Um, I've I've missed his last good few episodes. Like I said, I really, I kind of have been in the listening to the podcast sphere over the past couple of months. Um, so yeah, but uh, I think something that I'm surprised you haven't called me up on just yet is uh, how I haven't been listening to Jordan Peterson no no I wouldn't call you up on not listening to him but I will call you up on my mentioning him and you go <laughs> what's that yeah. all about uh, he's just an, I find him annoying and I think um, there's there's a tendency amongst his follow amongst his fans and his followers to do exactly what you detest which is to kind of really uh, admire him and view him as a leader Uh you know, yeah, yeah. I don't think I do that. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not necessarily no, 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 saying I, that you I, do. I, I don't feel like I've been accused, but yeah. I just, just throwing that out there. I, yeah. I don't. I don't think I do that. Yeah, I, sp- I think very highly of him. I think yeah. he's a. I think he's a 
I think he's a great man. I don't yeah. mind saying that. Yeah. Um, what, like, there's just I I I don't know him that well. Like I, I I'm familiar with his with a lot of his work and a lot of it's very important and good stuff. But um, there is just a a certain a certain aspect of his character that does kind of I find irksome, and uh, uh, there's an, an aspect to his following which uh, is a little bit irksome as well. Like he's a very angry man. You know he's very, he is he's very angry and that, he is. I find admittedly self admittedly like. yeah I just find it quite distasteful it's kind of like why are you why are you so angry about it? like I know he I know there are there are a lot of things to be angry about in the world but you know I'm a big fan of fucking acting compassionately and rather than kind of you know rather than getting frustrated and pissy at people you you know you act in it from a from a position of compassion so that's that's one thing his voice is so annoying he kind of talks like that's just the Canadian accent though is it no hey. no oh, I love I think the Canadian accent is hilarious has he not just got like a, to me it's just a stereotype out of the box Canadian accent no he, he's, a, he's a croaky fucking annoying voice listen he's, he's brilliant like he's a, he's a, obviously a great academic and a, and, a, and a brilliant intellect but um, no, his voice just annoys me uh, it's it's croaky and he, he says he says things that don't suit his his character. Like he he'll talk, he'll say, "Man, you gotta get out of bed, man," and he'll he'll say <laughs> the he'll use the phrase "man," and it just doesn't suit his voice. Like he, he, there's a, a couple of things. Like he, it's as if he's saying things to be down and cool with the kids, and it just it's like, "Oh, what are you doing? This doesn't suit you." Obviously, it works because he is a massive following, but that just irks the jays out of me. Um, I don't think that's intentional. I I don't, I, I don't think he's doing that. No, I don't. I don't think it is at all. But yeah, yeah. but regardless of his intention, it's just yeah, it just it, it winds me up. Gears. Yeah, uh, and what really grinds my gears is now. I'm sure it was <laughs> tongue in cheek, but he named his latest book 12 Rules for Life." He certainly did. Good, sweet Jesus! Like, is he? You know. Was that published by BuzzFeed Publications or what? Like you, international you, bestseller. Oh, worldwide. yeah, absolutely. But again, it's like Blind Boy's book. Do you think he wanted to call it the Gospel According to Blind Boy? No. It sells books. Do you think he wanted to put a picture of his face with a plastic bag in the front of it? No. It sells books. Yeah, yeah, I know. But there's there's a, there is an element like when when you when you see his content on YouTube, there's um, I know a lot of these videos aren't going to be uploaded from his page, but like. Uh, None of them are. Yeah, everything that you're about to say yeah. has nothing to so do. So I, I, just, I, won't, I won't, I won't even. There's no point in even saying that. But they're like, what I'm saying is, I feel like that's that's kind of representative of his following. But I'd again, be, his, his following, and this is something I meant to pull you up on. Your criticisms of him thus far have been in relation to relatively arbitrary things, like you know the sound of his voice and the phrases that he uses, and his followers. Ah, uh, you've missed out on how angry he is. That's yeah, but again, I, 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 we'll, we'll we'll run with that yeah. one. I'm quite angry. Yeah, I I, I don't think that that's a, necessarily a very healthy or useful position to come from—a position of anger. Uh, I I think he disagree with you there, as would I. Yeah, I, which I, is t- like, what, what's your what's your views on kind of having a well-developed shadow, or, or does that me make any sense to you at all? A well-developed shadow. Yeah, like, it's a, it's a Jungian theory that you have um, basically a dark side. Okay. Um, an an evil component that's in you because you're human, and we all have it. Yeah. And that if you haven't got that under control, you're the weaker for it. Or if you haven't it well developed, you're yeah. the weaker for it. Well, I I think um I think you know 
sh- like different you know shadow things and uh Jungian aspects and uh Jungian archetypes and different Freudian uh psychoanalysis and stuff to me a lot of that is wishy-washy bullshit it's not it's not kind of proper science it's it's philosophy and stuff which is obviously very very useful but i think um maybe if more energy and attention was put towards more empirical things and uh maybe more human experiences it might be a bit more useful because you know like that's quite uh those are quite esoteric things you know and he's he's popularizing esoteric things and kind of making them mainstream and he has you talking about Jungian archetypes as opposed to more base human experiences and I just I think it's I think it's a lot of it is kind of wishy-washy bullshit you know yeah I tend to disagree I think it's very deep and meaningful yeah and I found it very beneficial yeah. as do obviously oh yeah tons of people yeah his, yeah, yeah. His supporters like yeah yeah um but what I lo- like about him is I think he I wouldn't like somebody who was only that and he's mm. not only that mm. like he's a clinical psychologist he's a clinical psychologist yeah. he is a scientist there's no no two ways about it mm. but he has a lecture series that I'm a big fan of which is literally called The Psychological Significance of the Biblical Stories Yeah. so yeah. I mean he has fucking Frano the biggest atheist in the world McKeown mm. you know paying close attention to ancient scripture yeah yeah now I, I do think that that is worth framing in not in science but in in stories in like a in in literature studies let's say you but know, that's that's what he does yeah well like but you you frame them as as this clinical psychologist which well, he, see, which he is and that's what i mean he kind of he he he's both but that i think that line is blurred to the people that follow him so for instance when but he's, again is it is it blurred to the people that follow him or is he blurring the line both i think Okay, so but that's that's his shtick. He blurs that line. That's that's what what I, he is. Yeah, but which I which I think is a bad thing. So right. like I think people can admire him uh, maybe too much for having the credential of being oh like sure he he was a professor at Harvard and he's a he's a clinical psychologist as well. Yeah, all that means nothing to me. No. Why did you mention it then? Sorry, not the professor has, but the, he like he's a clinical psychologist. He's a proper scientist. Well, you you, meant, you mentioned no, that. no, no, no. I I did, and I, I stand over it because, as I said moments earlier, he's both. He is both. Like he he publishes papers. He does the whole scientific thing. Um, his stuff gets. You're closer to this than me. When you write a, a paper and it's cited, is that the term? Yeah. His papers are widely, widely, widely cited. Being being in that and being in kind of in that environment, like that means you're successful. That doesn't mean you're any good. And I'm not saying that that's a valid criticism of Jordan Peterson. Like, oh, ju- you know, yeah. So what if he was cited? It could be a load of bullshit. Like, it. But it's it's important to realize that. Like, you know. Th- for instance, um, I'm sure you're, you've heard of the vaccinations, vaccinations cause autism paper. Yes. Yeah. That was cited like an insane amount of times. Loads of times. That got past peer review. Yes. Total, total bullshit. So somebody having, somebody who's able to publish papers and somebody whose papers are cited many, many times 
is meaningless. It, it, I don't think it's meaningless. And I don't think that's a fair comparison either because you're, I know, you're using I was just, the exception no, no. to prove the rule there. No, no, no. I'm, I was just giving you a very, very famous example so that maybe the listener could relate to it because a lot of, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with that paper. Um, what, I'm, what I'm saying is be, it's very important to be sceptical uh, about scientific publication because being published or being a, a, a prolific scientist in terms of how many papers you've published or how many times your papers have been cited isn't indicative of the value of what you're writing about you know true but when you any one of those things in isolation granted but when you have all of them no no i i would i would disagree so you can have head, like, you what, can have all you, those credibility things rest on? credibility rests on the, the i suppose the ideas that you uphold and and what what you what you espouse and what you what you share with others um, and I feel what he's sharing with other people is um, kind of it's a lot of advice. You know, he's given he's he's kind of almost telling people what they should be doing. And I, from a position of anger, and that that winds me up. And I, I don't think that it's a very I don't think it's I don't think that has much integrity to it. I think it's 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 quite preachy, and I don't like preachiness. Yeah, I don't find them as preachy. I genuinely yeah. don't. And obviously, I don't think the people who have flocked to him, for want of a better term, uh, find him preachy either. But you see him, like, for instance, you literally see him, you know, photoshopped onto crucifixes and stuff, you know, by his fans. And it's yeah, and it's tongue-in-cheek it, and it's jokey, but that's because he, he comes from a, a, a preachy position. Like, you know, before you try and change the world, you should clean your bedroom. <sighs> Like this is muck, you know. I don't, I don't think it's muck, and I, I actually, I, I love that sentiment. It's just something that I espouse myself, and the, the sentiment in that, the, the gist of it, what, what matters, and what in the message that he's saying there, is that you sort your own shit out before you go yeah. criticizing the rest of the world. Of course, and you start by like literally, you know, making your bed and working outward. Yeah, you get your shit together. You, you sort out your relationships between your, you know, your brothers and your sisters and your parents, and then your friends, and then your kind of finances, and then your job. And you, you get grounded, and you, you don't complain about capitalism when you can't keep your fucking room tidy. Well, like, <laughs> no, I see. I think I, I just, I, I think I fundamentally disagree with that. Yeah, like obviously it's important to, uh, to engage in some self-preservation and look after your own environment and your your close familial relationships and your friendships first but that do, you know if you haven't done those things that doesn't disentitle you from uh talking about esoteric things like he has all his followers talking about Jungian archetypes like you can't talk about Jungian archetypes before until you speak to your mother and tell her how much you love her like I'm just I'm just making that up yeah, no, you know, no, obviously of but I just I I don't I he's just he, that's angry like you know don't give out about capitalism until you clean your bedroom. It's such an angry, weirdly paternal, patronising thing to do. Like, he's almost a, a, a weird sort of father figure, I think, to his followers. And it's like a, like an angry father. And it's just, oh, I just find it abhorrent. You have, not the same, but there's echoings of a similar criticism against Joe Rogan. I don't like Joe Rogan either. Why don't you like Joe Rogan? Because he's annoying. You know, I, 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 now, saying I don't like him is, is, is kind of harsh. Um, I think what he does, he does is great. He does a great job. He's, he's, he's a brilliant follower. But 
like he's annoying. He just talks shite. It, like the the content of what he's he's speaking about is just ugh. like I I listened. He had Stephen Pinker on there, who's the f- who is the boy. Like Stephen Pinker is the boy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I couldn't even finish their conversation because they were just talking absolute wank. Yeah, but you're it's 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 Joe Rogan. It's not Sam Harris. So how many people did Joe Rogan introduce Stephen Pinker to? Like, Stephen Pinker was probably more famous 15 minutes after fucking walking out of that studio than he's ever been in his life. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I, know, I, I can see where you're coming from. Um, but just specifically about Joe Rogan, like, my, my personal interaction with him is, it's, it's kind of frustrating. Like, that is, for me, his stuff is really passive and it's, it's kind of very, this is pretty fucking racist and bigoted of you, but it's very American and he's a bro, do you know He's a he's a real he's a he. I know he he says this to his own admission, but he's a real bro kind of meathead kind of bro science kind of guy. And what's wrong? What's wrong with that? Like, oh, it just I because the, that's the, my I I don't like it. You yeah. know, I'm not saying that there's anything necessarily wrong with it, but I don't like it. I would have, I would have a I I would probably maybe get a little bit more frustrated with the likes of Jordan Peterson as opposed to Joe Rogan. But my personal opinion on Joe Rogan is that he's just a bit annoying. Like he's a he's a kind of he's a goofy. He's just annoying. He's very, he's very smart. He's an unbelievable jiu-jitsu practitioner, a fantastic pundit. Like his punditry is something to uphold, and that is something that I would seek him out for. Like when when I'm, if I've been to a couple of UFC events, and I, I'll always buy the earpiece so I can hear Joe Rogan educate me on what's going on because he is fucking class at. It. But um, kind of when he's talking about other things, it's just. It's it's he's he's annoying and he he frames everything in his own interests as opposed to letting people flourish in their own right, Do you know. Like he he doesn't host Stephen Pinker, uh, and he, he sorry he doesn't foster. This is a good way of putting it. He doesn't foster Stephen Pinker. He hosts him and tells him, oh yeah, and what do you think about this? He directs everything as opposed to going Stephen Pinker, you're the boy. This is what you're an expert at. Tell me stuff. Yeah, but you just don't like him. But that's what you asked me. Did you ask me did I like him? Yeah, but you just you don't. There's something that I'm 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 I'm, tr- I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out in my head what it is that you view about the likes of those two guys, Peterson and Rogan. Yeah, there's something about the two of them I think that you don't like, and it's the same thing. Um. I, I think I see where you're getting at, and I, but I actually, I, I, I'll disagree, I'll, I'll expand on that now. So, Joe Rogan is, like, I I don't like Joe Rogan, okay? okay? I'm not saying I think he's an objectionable, bad person, you know? I don't think that, objectively, what he does is a shit thing. It's just, it's uh, not for me, basically. Yeah. Uh, like, but now he has had some really interesting podcasts, and he's introduced me to loads of really cool people. Mm. But ultimately, I'm not a Joe Rogan fan. Let's say, right? Now, where I differ between him and Jordan Peterson is that I do think that there are certain aspects of what Jordan Peterson does that is maybe quite misleading and harmful to some people so I think his anger is um, is kind of unhelpful and it can kind of inform and anger in other people now I'm not saying that um, expressing anger is a bad thing I'm all, all about really expressing yourself and being honest but when I think that that's the constant frame in, when, in which things is 
in which he speaks about his uh, areas of interest it it just it, it becomes quite imposing and it's uh, it's almost uh, he's, like encouraging people to act in a similar way and I just I that that is something I find irksome and I I I like when people propose ideas in a, in a dispassionate kind of benign way. One of the reasons I love Sam Harris and one of the reasons why people don't like him, you know, you you dislike him for being described as a human PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> but what I what I love about that is he's given you he's said some things, he's given ideas and he lets you make your own opinion on them. Whereas like it's up for you to interpret wh- how you feel about it. whereas when Jordan Peterson is talking about it like this man he's not really letting you make your own opinion man you know he's really he's kind of shouting at you getting angry and getting real I don't know yeah, fucking that's just passion up. though is it that's like you know being a human being as opposed to yeah. being a fucking robot no because I I I would disagree with the description of Sam as being robotic I think he's He's a fucking, he's a mindful dude. Like, he's a fucking, basically a, a Buddhist monk, you know. He, he's more like a Buddhist monk than he is a robot, you know. And to me, a, a Buddhist monk is kind of something to be aspired to. Is like a, a fucking Zen master who's at one with the universe, you know. And whereas Jordan Peterson's just on a, he's on a totally uh, different level of the continuum where, where, let's say, on one side you have a Zen master Buddhist and on the other side you have a fucking angry cunt shouting at people, telling them what they should do. And writing a book called Twelve Rules for Life," <laughs> but the world needs both, surely. Um, yeah, like you know, listen. Um, I I exclaimed, "Ugh!" because Jordan Peterson's not for me, and Sam Harris, the character like a character like Sam Harris is. Yeah, but when, when like, and don't get me wrong, I'm a, I'm a big Sam Harris fan. Less ever since I heard him described as a human PowerPoint presentation and less since he started doing Skype calls that I can barely fucking hear and there's a lot I don't like there's a lot of there's a lot I don't like about Sam Harris one of the things being I can't give him a euro a month on Patreon yeah. his minimum is I have to give him a euro an episode and shit like that like he comes from an affluent place he doesn't need the fucking money he's selling out arenas all over the world doesn't need it and that to me is just I don't know it's but as well like you can but you can throw you can make one time donations to them if you wanted to can but, you? yeah which... so what I go on every month and give him a euro? no no but, just, you... but he's he's taken from me the ability to give him a euro a month okay I which is just one of a, a number of things that kind of piss me okay. off about yeah yeah now the, the intention behind that mightn't be as like nefarious as you might think like he like possibly he, not possibly you know not. like he, he uh, it's he would have a team you know working let's say I, I would imagine he has a waking up incorporated non-for-profit business of to which there are four employees one which manages his Patreon and his sound production another which manages his you know speaking speaking spoken word tours and another which manages the fucking I don't know the taxes or something like oh look don't get me wrong I mean I think I would have introduced you to Sam Harris I've been following Probably. Sam Harris since anyone's been following Sam Harris like I'm I became familiar with Sam Harris around the same time I became familiar with Christopher Hitchens, which would have been in 2008. Mm. So I've been a huge fan of Sam Harris for 10 years. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, don't get me wrong, as as I kind of outlined there, there are a couple of things that kind of rub me up the wrong way about him. 
but for the most part, I'm I'm a lover of him. But I can I can love him and I can love Peterson. Yeah, do you know that kind of way? Yeah. Oh yeah, and I, that's where we diverge, I suppose. Like, You're just I, not as well rounded as me. Because I'm older and wiser. I'm better looking. Lol. Because I just I, I I don't I don't love uh, I obviously don't love Jordan Peterson. Now, uh, it's important to give the devil his due, I suppose, in re- in relation to Joe Rogan. One thing I love about Joe Rogan. And which has informed my approach to podcasting is he has all his guests in house and he speaks to their face. Yes, and 100%. they're within slapping distance of him, uh, which is which is brilliant. Uh, I I love that, and you know, uh, just like I suppose his confidence is is admirable as well uh, in terms of speaking about kind of things in maybe layman's terms and stuff. Now, sometimes, maybe sometimes I can find that irksome, but, you know, it's it's, it's a pretty cool thing that uh, he values people for their their ideas as opposed to their credentials, uh, mostly speaking. Um, And Jordan Peterson, listen, Jordan Peterson's introduced a lot of people to psychology and psychotherapy and stuff, but um, I think, you know, it's... The whole picture is something that I find displeasing, but there are aspects of it which is worthwhile, you know, and there are aspects of it that are good. No, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so you know, Jordan Peterson, he had a he had a great chat with with Sam Harris as well. They were, you know, they had a, a chat about truth on the Waking Up podcast, and uh, they got fairly bogged down. Now it was fucking painful to listen to, but it was an interesting disagreement they had, um, and the side of that disagreement I was on was Sam's and shocker. <laughs> uh, and you know, then they they went back at it and had a another another two hour conversation and just kind of le- left the whole idea of truth behind them. Um, but like, for instance, I you know I'm a big I have a big hard on for intellectual hard on for Sam Harris and uh, he's obviously coming in June. And when I heard Jordan Peterson was his guest, I was like, oh, shite. Really? Know? Yeah. What about Douglas Murray? Again, like I, 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 you know, would have been much more interested in, in maybe another guest. Like you know, I would have actually loved if it was Blind Boy because I don't think Blind Boy is necessarily a big fan. So that would have been quite interesting. Um, of who? Sorry. Uh, of of Sam of Sam Harris. I don't necessarily think he's a big fan. From the the impression I get, and I could be picking that up completely wrong. But um, yeah, the, when I heard there were his guests, I was like, oh, so George, with Jordan Peterson, they're going to talk about, you know why the patriarchy actually doesn't exist and with Douglas Murray they're going to talk about Islam oh shocker you know I just don't care anymore Do you know? yeah no no I'd, I'd be I'd be pretty much of the same opinion there I, if if Douglas Murray starts going on about fucking immigration or the death of Europe I just I'm going to fucking lose the will to live in the place I don't think they will I think it'll be I, I think they're going to get into the weeds I'm hoping that they're going to get into the yeah. weeds on a couple of actual yeah. contentious issues yeah. and you know who knows there might a discussion might break out yeah yeah. <laughs> that's what I've paid 117 euro 50 yeah. a ticket for fucking hell like that's insane that's that's pretty fucking criminal but um, yeah like Douglas Murray he's, he's, an, he's an interesting guy but I don't like hearing people harp on about the same thing over and over again and you know Jordan Peterson he's an interesting guy but I don't like hearing people harp on about the same thing over and over again and I feel that that's kind of what they do and that when Sam speaks to them that's what they talk about uh, I think Douglas Murray might have been on the Waking Up podcast a couple of times and they talked about Islam all the time and it's like I, I just don't care you know so 
and when when Jordan Peterson, if Jordan Peterson was on again, I would predict, oh, they'll talk about, you know, free speech on campus. They'll talk about fucking Canadian politics. They'll talk about gender, and I'll just like, I don't know if they would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect them to talk about any of those issues. Yeah, I don't see them as being. I don't see them. I don't see Harris and Peterson disagreeing on any of those topics. But there you go. Exactly. Well, that's that's a, that's a an interesting way to put it. I actually see them talking about those things and just kind of saying stuff that they both agree on and that you know is kind of unsurprising to people that know both of them and you're just like right great okay there's a there's a two-hour podcast where they expand upon things that aren't necessarily worth expanding upon but your luck we might as well anyway because we'll get the listeners i know what you mean you know getting back to bro rogan yeah what's wrong with being a bro as you put it or define being a bro because i see that as and maybe i'm wrong but there seems to be an attack on being a man these days yeah well i feel that um you know the the you know, talking about archetypes and Jungian archetypes like the archetypal man is uh the the construct of our society has uh, means that the archetypal man is a is a physically strong emotionally stale uh hard working uh, husband and father you know and I feel like a, a bro is a, is a, almost a type of man in that regard. And I think it, it diverges from our intuitive and our emotional experience to such a degree where it, it makes us, it, it, it expects of us, you know, a, a brashness or a brutishness, which isn't real. It's more, society, more constructed by society as opposed to being innate in us. Uh, so, yeah, being a bro... Unless unless you're using the phrase in the same breath as a joke, um, I don't think it's useful. Okay, so you're joking when you're calling Joe Rogan a bro, basically, or are you? Yeah, I'm kind of taking the piss out of him, do you know, right. because because he kind of is a bro, you know. He's a like to his own admission, you know, he's a kind of he's a big strong meathead. You know? But what's but what's wrong with that? Like, what's wrong with being into hunting and into you know uh, fighting and into manly stuff? No, there's not. There's there's nothing wrong with it. But if you're conflating being into fighting and hunting with being uh, emotionally stale, and Joe Rogan's far from emotionally stale. Joe Rogan's a big girl. But so, what do you mean by that? What is why is he a big girl? Or what is a big girl? When I said being a big girl like that, I didn't mean to disparage all the women that are listening. And I know that that is a kind of a... Maybe it's something that I shouldn't use, but... Oh. When I say being a big girl... You say... Like, it, it is it is said... Sorry to interrupt you now. No, 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 thought. by all means, I need it to be. Yeah, it, saying that someone's a big girl is... Is kind of you're framing it in a in a negative kind of architecture. You know, you're saying that oh, you big girl, as if being effeminate was a bad thing or effeminate for a male to be. No, it's not. And I, I'm, I'm I I I don't want to I don't want to end up apologising for saying things like that. No, it's, it's not. It, there's I, a there's a there's what I said and there's what I meant and there's what everybody fucking knows I meant. Yeah, but... And when, when I'm heading out for a few pints and I call up to a mate of mine's house and he's upstairs doing his hair, I'll shout up to him, don't be such a big fucking girl 
and come on to fuck. Yeah, yeah, and like, you're, I suppose you're kind of being funny, but at the same time, uh, what we mean and what we say, I always, I want those th- two things to converge to be the same thing, and I think that is what the evolution of language is all about. Uh, that the way we speak more accurately reflects on what we're thinking. So, I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think that people should necessarily apologize for what they're saying, but they should definitely be open to maybe reflecting on what it is that they're saying and what it is that they're thinking. And if they're not the same thing, well, then reconsidering what they should be saying in the future. So, ju- just like with mental health, when when people, I think when people use the phrase mental health, they're base. What they mean is emotional well-being, but what they're saying is mental health. And those, they're, what they're saying and what they mean aren't converging on the same thing. And I think it's important that we try and make what we say and what we mean converge to mean the same thing. Like, uh, and so, for instance, when you, uh, who did you describe as a as a big girl? Like, so you're, when Joe you're Rogan. Joe Rogan, yeah. So you said Joe Rogan emotionally, a, like emo, you said emotionally, he's a big girl. So like that seems to be, you know, he's wh- how, how do you mean he's a big girl? You know exactly what I mean. I, right I actually no, I genuinely don't. Everybody else listening does. Okay, well I I don't. So tell me. You see, when when I when I lay it out, it it's going to sound disparaging against women and misogynistic, which I don't mean to be, nor am intentionally. Okay. But there's, the, you can be too in touch with your feelings. I think, like you can, can you? No. How can you be too in touch with your feelings? By being a big girl. But what does being a big girl mean? I genuinely don't know what you, what you're referencing to what you're referencing when you talk about Joe Rogan being a big girl. You were framing Joe Rogan as a a kind of a a, a macho guy, as if that's all he is. But he no oh, no no, no. no. M- maybe you weren't. Sorry, let, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. But you said something to the tune of Joe Rogan is this way and you might have alluded to the fact that he mightn't be as, maybe as in touch with, with his emotions or that he's a stereotypical man who typically wouldn't be in touch with their emotions. No, no. So what I what I said about Joe is that I jokingly call him Bro Rogan because he's kind of a bro, you know, in that... Uh, a man's man. You it's in, in in certain instances, like he's, you know, he's big into his hunting, he's big into his fighting, yeah. he's big into bro science, you know, and he'll jo- he'll joke about it like every so often. Yeah, he um, calls himself a meathead, like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's pretty funny. Like, it's great yeah. that he's able to recognize that aspect of himself and joke about it. And I think he's actually, a, I think he's a very good comedian. But that aside, um, I don't think he epitomizes a bro. If I if I if I suggested that, I will try and renege on that now, um, because to me, what I was uh, forgetting about Joe Rogan for a moment, I think your typical bro is somebody who drinks with the lads and kind of. Loves fucking women and you know is you know drinks loads and you know yeah lifts weights and pumps guns and you know takes creatine because it makes your muscles good and big and that kind of thing um, and uh, it doesn't doesn't express themselves to their to their friends because doing that is fucking gay as if gay and they're framing like gay as if that was a bad thing or something yeah but you use the term gay there in the same way I would describe somebody as a big girl. I'm not disparaging gay. I'm not disparaging women or being feminine. No more than you were disparaging gay people there. I was impersonating a bro. I wasn't actually espousing my own ideas about. Okay, okay, okay. So you would use uh, the phrase "big girl" and "gay" in the same breath, 
and you're saying that that's not supposed to be disparaging against women or it probably is a little bit absolutely but I think there's a certain amount of there's a duality here I think that we're getting to whereby A you have to be uh, very aware of your emotions and in touch with your feelings that's on one side but on the other side you have to dare I say the phrase man the fuck up and not be a victim to your emotions and like all right that's where that's i we diverge there massively yeah well let's let's get into that then be, because um you know you can be too fucking sensitive uh, no i i disagree I, I i definitely disagree i think um you know sometimes your sensitivity can be a very difficult thing you know for a person you know and that um you might experience something to a a greater intensity to somebody else but um like it's not it's not that it's that's not to say that sensitivity or sensitivity to that level is a bad thing uh you know the sensitivity becomes pathological if you don't learn from it yeah but i've been sensitive in my past to the point where i was weak with sensitivity that's how you are articulated so you've been sensitive in your past to the point where you were weak how expand yeah, on that. what so you mean so i would have been a big girl when i was small Okay, like when I was when I was in primary school, I was a big girl. I was more effeminate than masculine. Okay, and I've flipped since. I'm and more masculine now than I am feminine. And what being a man that you know what so is what, presumably a good thing. What's virtuous about that? Why is that a good thing to be more masculine than feminine? It's no, it's it, it's it's not virtuous to be more masculine than feminine. It's more conducive to a fulfilling life to be more masculine as a man and be more feminine as a woman if that makes sense okay i'd hate to be quoted on, on what i just said there because i'm not sure if i said what i meant yeah which which is completely okay like you know and you know if you didn't say what you meant you, <laughs> people should forgive you for that uh, but i don't necessarily think that um having a, a, an effeminate nature with a pair of balls and a cock is a bad thing I don't think it's to your disadvantage uh, I think it's just a different personality that you have um, and well, I, it, it weakened me I, f- I feel stronger and the better for flipping from being more uh, but how do you define your weakness what, what, what was your weakness that you had I wouldn't have been able to stand up for myself like I, like I can now okay. I would have um I would have been far more agreeable, say. Well, I what? would have just kind of gone with the flow a lot more. And again, that's that's kind of part and parcel of not being able to stand up for yourself. And why is standing up for yourself a masculine thing? I wouldn't necessarily frame that as a masculine thing. Because I think historically, and when I say historically, I mean evolutionarily speaking. I mean, I'm I'm talking in relation to the male of the species. Right. So... What I'm talking about here far predates what we'd call culture or society. Okay. The the man was the protector. Mm. The man was the, the physically more powerful thing. The man was the thing that wasn't, you know, with child. Okay. With women, and when I say women, I mean the female of the species, need protection. Like a, a, a pregnant female isn't able to protect herself or a woman with or I'm not woman a female so this works cross species a female who's either 
carrying their offspring or, you know, with their offspring, having just recently given birth, need protection. And when I was younger, I was more like a being that needed to be protected than I was something or someone that was capable of doing the protecting. Yeah, so I suppose I disagree with what you're saying, uh, not not wholly, but uh, at least partially. So when you when you bring evolution into the question, it, it seems to indicate that there's a relevance to our evolution in our current society. And I think in a civilised society, uh, generally speaking, you know, our evolution is relatively unimportant in terms of, you know, what feminine traits are and what masculine traits are no 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 forget about culture forget about society what I'm talking about is far deeper than that society is only around but you're you're bringing you're bringing the evolutionary architecture and transposing that onto today so you're talking about it's there I'm not transposing it it's there we are animals we are yeah, and we, we we are animals. Yeah, we've evolved to be the way we are. Yeah, I, I'm not not uh, not protesting that at all. Obviously, we are animals, but I do think that we transcend because of our cognitive capacities. We transcend our animalistic tendencies. I think we have the capacity to transcend our animalistic capacities, but yeah. I don't think we're there yet. I'm certainly not there. Okay, and I don't think humanity is. Well, I think you might be doing yourself a disservice by. Uh, by refusing to acknowledge your potential and realizing that you might be there, you might have the capabilities of being there, and I think more people might have that potential than you might initially realize. And in terms of you know your ability to stand up for yourself when you were younger, and you just des- you describing your agreeableness and framing that in a in an effeminate nature, and then becoming more masculine as being a way that you can stand up for yourself, I. I suppose I, I do think that that's an unhelpful idea to hold because I, I think ultimately it's kind of sexist and it it uh, it disempowers uh, femininity. You know what's what's sexist about? Um, bear with me, sorry. So I think what's sexist about it is that you're equating femininity with a weakness because we were, we started this conversation by I asked you to describe what your weakness was as a uh, you know growing up and you're like oh well when I was younger I was kind of effeminate and you're you equated being weak with being effeminate and I don't think that as, that's as, a, as a man as a man yeah I, I not, <laughs> as, not as a woman there's not like there's nothing there's nothing yeah. weak about the, the effeminate quality but there's a weakness in being a man and being predominantly feminine yeah I well I suppose that's where we disagree I, I don't necessarily think being a being a feminine or being feminine as a man is a weakness. I think it's just a, basically a difference in personality. Ask any kid who gets bullied in school. Not any kid, but the majority of kids who get bullied in school. They don't tend to be the hyper-masculine guys. Yeah. Oh, I, I indeed. Yeah, well, they're, they're not bullied because they're in a position of strength. They're bullied because they're in a position of weakness. Well, a position of vulnerability. Um, well, vulnerability, weakness. I don't know what I, I do think that there's a distinction to be made between vulnerability and weakness because um, I think it's actually a strength to reveal your vulnerability. Now, I'm talking about in a general case, not necessarily in a in a a, ch- a, chi- a child's case. You know, when they're when they're measured against their peers, and if they're exposing their vulnerability, they're going to get fucked up. Whereas I think in a civilized society, when we expose our vulnerability, that's actually a sign of strength. So, like I expose sincere vulnerability on numerous occasions in the past, and I actually think that that informs a strong aspect of my character as opposed to a weakness or an effeminate yeah, nature. I, I, I tend to agree with you, but that's that's on like an intellectual basis. Not necessarily, I don't think, no, because you're kind of leading by example. So 
sometimes intellectual exploits can be somewhat reserved for a particular, you know, let's say, literary inclined uh, populace or people who go to college and stuff. But no, I think mine's, my, my, I'd like to think that my exploits are more human and more base than that and that um, they're more relatable to even people who aren't inclined to be reading lots of fucking stupid shit in college that is maybe of little consequence to them. Um, now... So that's why I, w- I wouldn't equate vulnerability with weakness. So if I see a child um, who's vulnerable or who's effeminate, I wouldn't be kind of encouraging them to, let's say, man up. Um, I'd be maybe maybe have them uh, help him inform them with some you know self defence kind of things or uh, some uh, like. So funny quips or you know to get back at whatever or something or you know understand. But all, all the different things that you're going to try and embody into that child are typically more masculine than female why is um why is self-defense a masculine thing because it's the male of the species that fight uh but again again you're talking you're talking about like the male of the species and stuff and you're 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 talking kind of from an evolutionary context, whereas yeah, exactly. I think, but I I don't think the evolutionary context is as relevant when you're talking about today. I think it's one hundred percent relevant. I I think yeah. that, I I don't think we we have the we have the capability of intellectually transcending our you know ancient ancestry, but on a day to day basis of you know making our way through this world. No, it's fucking no chance. I, well, I think can't escape that shit. Like. Yeah, well, whatever about escaping, I think it can be combated. So and it should be. Yeah, and I think combating it, I think framing something as masculine or feminine is doing the opposite of combating it. I think it's almost um, allowing the, like, accepting our evolutionary circumstances. And I suppose maybe that's another reason why I don't enjoy Jordan Peterson that much, because he seems to frame everything in, level, in an evolutionary context. Yeah, he does, and it's, it's, it's what I love about him. And it's kind of be part of what I dislike about him, because I think he disempowers uh, humanity uh, as well as women when he he might frame things in a certain context like you know maybe you know v- vulnerability as a weakness or um well no you know, i don't know if he's called vulner- vulnerability but let's weakness. say um describing agreeableness as a female trait i i think that's just a trait i wouldn't describe it as a as a female trait yeah but what if the what if the studies bear out that it is actually a female trait and that's what he's would claim to at least have proven if uh, that well, there are male traits and there are female traits Okay, yeah, well, that's like that's fair enough. But I think when if I don't really see the utility in dividing traits into female and male, I no, but it's it's not it's not the utility in dividing them. It's the utility in understanding humans, male okay. and female. Yeah, from a from a a science. Yeah, but basis. you're 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 dividing the architecture there into you're kind of doing a uh, you're dividing the sexes like as opposed the sexes to, are divided. The sexes are different. To claim that men and women are the same. No, I'm 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 not saying that, but um Our it, differences should be celebrated, not, you know, forgotten. Yeah, but I don't think I would argue that when you're describing certain things as feminine and certain things as masculine, I don't think you're celebrating them. I think you're saying that the masculine are the good things. I know you're coming from the perspective of a person with a cock. Um but I do think you're celebrating the masculine and kind of saying, oh, yeah, thank fuck I'm not feminine because being feminine is shit. Um, it would be as a man. I So, I, yeah, I just, I, I don't think so. In this, no, but if I was a woman, I wouldn't want to be a man. Um, You see, I, I like, 
I, I'm, I'm I'm happy with masculinity and and, it's, and all its flaws. Yeah, which is it's not the better of the two. Which is which which is which is good. Like it's good that you're happy with the kind of character that you are. But I do think that you're striving to be masculine. You know, you're um, no. I'm just being myself. But you know, it's it's great that you are yourself. And but you were yourself when you were a child. But you don't like the way you are. Yeah, because I didn't fit well into this world when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, but because f- this world is full of men and women. Yeah, but and I wasn't being a man. Um, so a couple of things like you, you were a child for a start. So you yeah. know how could you be a man? And um, on, on top of that, like you know, you, there wasn't a place for you then. Like you're finding your feet. Is there a place for you now? Like you, you, I, I know you. I'm far more comfortable in my own skin now than I've ever been. Yeah, yeah, but you're an adult, so like part of like the grown part of the grown pains is trying to find your feet. So I don't necessarily think that that process means that you are at one point in a in a less valuable position or in a you know a worse position than the next. It's just that you are you are learning uh, more about yourself and the world. And I think um, when you if you frame your your childhood. Uh, as being a bad thing because you're, or being a more difficult thing because you're more feminist, I, I, I think that's kind of unhelpful not only to you but to uh, women and and children uh, elsewhere. You know, because um, but 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 put it this way, just to to kind of flip it a little, if you're a young girl, if you're a teenage girl, mm. and you're very masculine, mm. you're the one going to get bullied. Okay, why? Because for a start, you're different. Yeah, but sure, like, yes, people get people get bullied for differences, but like, what's wrong with being different? Nothing, and and the whole off the lead thing is 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 about um, is about exactly that being different. But if you step outside of the norms, and I don't mean social norms, like the whole off the lead thing is to to step away from social norms. It's not to step away from uh, evolutionary norms. Such as that the the male is the, you know the the. It's not that the male is the protector of the female, which it is to a large degree, but it's that the female is so important as is needs to be protected at all costs. I think you're compartmentalizing the sexes into ways that they should act and ways that they shouldn't act. And if a if a teenage girl is acting manly, that she shouldn't act manly because she's acting different, which is actually kind of anathema to the whole off the lead idea like if, if you if, if you want to be manly be fucking manly and if that's off the lead great who cares if, you, if you're bullied you know like no, that, be, that's be, not be, that's being not bullied isn't a reason to change no, not, not at all that's, that's not what I mean in the slightest but if you're going against I was about to say if you're going against your base nature but that's not that's not what I mean to say at all <sighs> I don't know. How, I, I genuinely don't know how to frame the point that I'm trying to make. Be perfectly honest with you. I just see. You know, I I think that in order for you to become almost at peace with yourself, you have to first appreciate what you are, and what I am is a man. I'm the male of the species, so I have, I think I have to get a handle on, on what it means to be a man and what men should be and what the role of a man or the male of the species yeah. is in its society. No, I just, I, I, I suppose maybe it's a kind of a fundamental disagreement we have. Um, like you're, again, you're, 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 you're getting back to a real animalistic uh, nature, which we, which we, you're starting from that point, which is the 
initial, which is something it's, that we're trying it's, to combat. It's, it's the starting point, though. And it's not. You, you, it's, un- you understand what you are, and then you appreciate yourself for all your flaws. But I think before and you move on from there, before before we consider ourselves a man or a woman or anything, we're a human first. You know, we're yes, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, hu- okay, human first, male or female second. And then you move from there. No, I... You know, where's your starting point? That we're human? Yeah, that, that we're and human. Then every, and then and that we all experience the human condition. That's, 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 do, that's my the, starting point. From a point. male perspective and a female no, perspective. No, no, I... But I, we see we're different. I would argue that we're different. Uh, so, I think we we have differences, but I don't think we're different. We're the same. I, I think that the likes of Peterson has proven that we're different. Um, I would disagree in, in that instance. Well, in that, the, like uh, we, we have different... Traits, say? So... For, forget forgetting about personality traits and stuff for a moment right okay the personality actually we'll, we'll talk about personality traits for a moment personality traits are things that pertain to humans actually sorry so per- personality traits are things that pertain to persons so we are persons you know yes we have differences but we're not different we are the same we're the same species you know to say that we're different is doing both of us a disservice i i just i i what i'm talking about when i'm talking about your emotional well-being and and emotional well-being in general is i'm talking about the universal human condition which is experienced to one degree or another by all of us i'm not saying that we're all the same or all the same we all have distinct experiences but that's all on the same continuum i don't you know i mentioned uh, to you before that i i'm not a fan of dualities you know i don't like kind of a division between one side and another i prefer Even if they exist I, but that's the thing. I I don't necessarily think they ever really exist. I think that generally things are on kind of a continuum, um, on which you know we can play we can place ourselves on different parts on it. You know, we are all we all experience this uh, life in a distinct way. But that's not to say that we are all you know different. You know, we all experience the human condition just in different ways. Here's one for you, you that's in. You're a neuroscientist. Yeah. Is it fair to say that? Yeah. Neuroscientist? Yeah. If I dumped a thousand brains into your lab, okay, yeah. I gave you a thousand brains, and you were to examine them and separate them into male and female. I Well, for a start, I actually don't know if, if I could. I don't know that, that kind of... Can that be done regardless I, I, of whether or not you could do it? I, I, I don't know. I would argue that... It could be done. I don't. I don't see why it, it couldn't. But you're arguing that it could be done because you're you're expecting significant architectural differences in the brain. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I suppose that's that's kind of where we so diverge. Like, if we were to find out that yes, absolutely, hundred percent, with this machine, I can just give it a quick scan and go, yeah, it's a female brain. Okay. If if that was a thing, okay. which and I, I don't mean to set you up for some sort of a fall here. I've yeah. no, I've never heard the argument that I'm making be made. Anyway, yeah, yeah. But if it could be distinguishable, would that make you kind of change your tune? No, because like I don't see the usefulness in that exercise. I don't see what it would prove. Because it would prove that we are fundamentally different, more so than just you know via personality traits and, and the different if, measurements. That we're, we we're different from a measurable perspective, but that's obvious anyway. Like women have tits and vaginas 
men have cocks and pecs. You know, we're all. You, know, you don't need to show me the brain for me to but recognize the, our but differences. But we're all the same. We're humans. Yeah, is your argument to recognize our differences? Yeah, but that's not to say that we are different. You know, so we we're, have. We're differences. not the same, but we're not different. We have differences, yes, and we belong to the same species, yes. Like it's easy for for someone to distinguish between me and you because we look different, but it's not necessarily a useful exercise. Do you know? For, you have a different body type to me. You have a different hairstyle to me. You have different shaped ears to I, than I. You know, but I like the, it doesn't. I don't see the value in conducting an exercise like well, the, that. The value is that we're we're different. I might be, for example, more aggressive. You might be more this, and I might be more that, and we all have differences. But on an individual basis, me and you, that's irrelevant. But if you can half the world's population and say this half is more this and this half is more that, I just which it, you can do. Yeah, but there's 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 so much overlap, and you're you're the you're, massive monument. Over, yeah, but you're absolutely monumental. Over. I know, but you're projecting expectations then on individuals. No, 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 based no, no. On no I'm not. No, I'm not. No, no, no. There's un- there's appreciating something as it is, and then there's whatever you do outside of that. So there's there's differences there, and what you do with with knowing those differences are there. That that's on you. You can you can use that. You can use what I'm saying to be. A, a big giant sexist racist bigot but that doesn't mean that the the facts aren't the facts okay yeah well um i'm not trying to say that i have feelings which trump science or anything like that um i would i wouldn't like to, for you to think that but um you know i think when you we started talking about this because you were reflecting on your own childhood and you had what you described as more effeminate, effeminate qualities, and you framed that in a negative light, as if that, as if that was a bad thing. As a man, and uh, not I, intrinsically, yeah, not just because this, feminine this, is less than man. It's just, it's just fun, fundamentally where we disagree. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Uh, I just think it's a different thing, um, and I think that's that's re- that's really it. Like, there's I don't know how much more we can say about it. like in that. I I don't think it's anything i just think it's something that you're able to recognize but i suppose i there's a bit of despair that arises in me when i i hear you reflect on your childhood with with kind of almost disdain and distaste um and i can imagine uh let's say i know your father if your children grew grew up to be like that that you would be kind of almost disappointed for them because they had more feminine qualities or more masculine qualities. No, they'll, they'll be whoever they'll be and I'll encourage them to flourish. Yeah. That's, that's all. The, and I, I don't look back on that period with, with shame. No more than you look back on past versions of yourself that aren't as good as you are now. You don't look back with, with them as, as with shame. You You see them as being maybe not as evolved as you are now but you don't look back on them as though they were wrong or bad yeah and I, I'm, I'm the same I, I don't I don't hate my 12 year old self yeah but you I, I just suppose you did reflect on them with uh with with, with an element of judgment that's 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 what I'm picking up yeah, anyway in, in, in comparison to what I've you know sick bag at the ready in comparison to what I've blossomed into yeah that, uh, that was a a less well-rounded version of me yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose like that, that's I, I. It's good. That, I suppose you're 
happy with your personal development. Um, obviously, I'm very happy uh, to have you as a brother, and I'm proud to have you as a brother. And I, I think it's just it's it's I don't find it a a, a fair description on yourself or women or men to dis- to describe yourself as ugh, effeminate. You know, but I I mean that from the position of being a man. I I I don't think it's a good thing typically speaking for a man to be more feminine than masculine. I think that kind of goes against dare I say it your your kind of base nature, your your instinct. Yeah. I, I don't think that bodes well for a a healthy and happy existence in this life. In the maybe maybe true in in the wild, you know, but I I just think that we live the, in the wild. This put, is the wild. We I, live in a concrete jungle. I, yeah, like again, we're, we're just we're different. We're different on real fundamentals there. What, and that. What, what, when do you think we transcended our, you know, our animal being? Like, I mean, when was it? I, I, our, I, don't, know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. You think it's happened? I, I do think it's happened. You know, you, I could argue maybe with the development of consciousness, which would you seem to suggest that other other uh, creatures aren't conscious like we are. I don't know. But I, I do think that now we have the ability to combat against our kind of animalistic instincts and our, and our uh, evolutionary uh, nature and um, kind of through, through philosophy, science and, uh, you know, the development of ethics and morality, we can really kind of move, move past a lot of those instincts I, I agree with all of that but I don't think that you can move past those instincts before you can understand that they exist and that they manifest themselves and they are intrinsic in your being I don't see I see what you're saying as solving the problem that you're not aware of if that makes sense I think that you need to take ownership of the fact that you're a man and that you have manly tendencies and you're going to you're going to uh, act, act like a man because you were born with born with more than just a yeah. penis you were born I would argue with a male brain uh, yeah so Again, like you know, obviously there we have we have distinct hormones uh, at different levels in our bodies. Like obviously, men have more testosterone, uh, women have more progesterone, progesterone, uh, estrogen, um, and like you know, they but obviously they, make they us have to think differently. They uh, yes, they, so we're, so we're not the same fundamentally. They, they they do make us act and think differently. None being better. Than However, the other. I know, but I think what is important to just realize. Is that you know on average they make they might make us act and think differently, but if we find ourselves acting more like the typical person who expresses testosterone, well then we shouldn't condemn ourselves. Or if we find ourselves acting more like the typical person that uh, produces estrogen and progesterone, you know we shouldn't be you know angry or frustrated with ourselves. That's just the way things are, and you know we're. We, like I said, I think we transcend our biological and evolutionary natures in in many cognitive ways, and that's that's and that's totally fine, and that's totally okay. So, you know, if if you find yourself in with a cock and balls, but you know, typically falling into more feminine traits, 
that's fine. And if you find yourself with a vagina and you find yourself being into, you know, t- things that are typically more masculine, that's fine as well. Don't frame it in a negative architecture. Uh, maybe try and investigate why that is and not condemn yourself. You know, it, it, it's it's absolutely okay. Uh, and I, I just, I don't think we do ourselves any favours when we get frustrated with ourselves for maybe acting in a way that's maybe particularly effeminate or when we maybe describe someone as being a big girl or gay as if being a big girl or being gay is anything worth being ashamed of or anything worth being you know uh condemned i i i just i i i don't find it a useful exercise i agree with everything that you say there and i think we're we're kind of maybe getting to something here i think with the problem i think the problem occurs when a girl, say, just for example, is particularly masculine. And that doesn't bode well for them in this world that we live in. You know, right or wrong, let's say it just doesn't. And they find themselves kind of on the outskirts of their social groups and they just, they don't they don't fit in, say. where where And I think that's where a lot of effeminate men and masculine women... I think typically fall into they're kind of at the edges and they don't they're not having a good time because they don't fit into their societies as well as they might like to and they'll they'll suffer needlessly I think without the realisation that they're a female who happens to be more masculine or a male that happens to be more feminine you have to know what the problem is not that it's a problem but it's a not when I say a problem you have a problem fitting in with society that doesn't mean that you're problematic it just means that you don't fit the mould you're you know you're not as on the lead as the rest of, you're not you're not on the lead as much as everybody else like that that being different if you don't understand why you're different how are you supposed to counteract it yeah I, I know and I, I don't I, I suppose I don't agree with that either I think it's a uh, you know, if if we find ourselves find ourselves a more you know female tendencies like for instance let's say I was attracted to men like being attracted to men is a is a typical typically female attribute you know it recognizing that that's typically a female thing like there's nothing there's nothing wrong with with that rec- there's it's it's an okay, it's an okay recognition to make but it it shouldn't be framed in a negative light you know it's, no and I, and, I, and I apologize if I have framed it in a negative light I don't I don't mean to. Yeah, but do you, do you see the point that I'm kind of labouring yeah, well, to make? Well, if you're if you're not aware of how you're different, yeah, and well, how I, you're not you know quote unquote normal. Yeah, well, I think um, I I I don't really disagree with that, uh, but I I suppose I think you might have developed from your baseline a little bit of um, like you corrected yourself in describing it as a problem, but yet your innate response was to describe it as a problem. Do you know what I mean? So you're you like you're able to develop from that position of going, Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say a problem. But that was what you did say because of the because of the underlying architecture in your own mind of framing things as uh man with male tendencies good, female with uh, more woman with male tendencies bad, you know? Uh yeah. And so I I think it's I I just I just feel it's important that we Getting back to the original point that what we mean and what we say converge to mean the same thing because I know that you're not uh, like uh, 
a mean or a bad actor in in the world like you you want the best for everybody regardless of their tendencies of their religiosity or their irreligiosity or their spirituality or their sexuality like you know you couldn't give a flying shite but um i suppose we do we do have some underlying uh tendencies to frame certain uh beliefs or certain attractions or certain proclivities uh in a negative light you know we, we all do but it's just it's important I suppose for ourselves that we're able to recognise that question why you might frame it in a bad light and then maybe develop our understanding uh, so ultimately uh, I suppose the point that I, I've been trying to make is that what we mean what we say you know try and get them to converge but also that uh, femininity uh, and masculinity and describing things as being gay or be, or being a big girl or, or something like you know, if you're going to say those things, um, maybe question why it is you're saying it. Are you saying it purely for kind of uh, for humor's sake, or are you actually saying it because you think that those things are bad things? Um, that's uh, that's ultimately the kind of the question I pose to you and the listener. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, and, and, and this conversation in its entirety has, has given myself, as I'm sure many others, food for thought. I'm going to wrap us up now, P. We've done just over the three and a half hour mark. Will you give me your social media bits and bobs again? And yeah. Email address, all that jazz. Just outlay that as you will. Yeah, absolutely. So the U Project is on Facebook as Uface, Y-E-W, Face. I'm hoping that will change to just Y-E-W soon, but uh, we'll see. Um, my name is obviously Pat McKeown. You can outreach you can reach out to me on facebook on on twitter at pat mckeown 15 uh pat space mac space keown um my uh, i i have a website that's currently in development at the moment which is u.ie y-e-w.ie which i want uh, to be kind of a a home for my podcast for the different activities on social media for you know future events whenever they do become organized and also for the story bank um i'm running a podcast of my own called all about you y-e-w i've just uploaded three episodes and i actually had a conversation with cormac ryan who i mentioned earlier uh, as the latest episode and it i found it very very interesting and uh cormac is a fucking inspirational guy um and uh, yeah uh, how, in relation to if you want to look up who inspired me uh, Cormac Ryan uh, and Connor Cusack two fucking savage characters and they're both Irish uh, which is always nice as well but uh, yeah I think I've covered everything and if you want to if you want to shoot me an email uh, McKeown 15 at gmail.com and I endeavour to get back to you as soon as possible fantastic and Pat is going to send me on his email address and the links to his different social media platforms. So I will copy and paste that and stick it into the description. So thanks a million again, folks, for tuning in and staying this long. Uh, if you've any questions for myself, as always, you'll get me at I'm off the lead at gmail.com. And we'll chat you again. Pat, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Fran, for having me. Toodles.